You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast number 75. It is Tuesday, Groundhog Day, February 2nd, 2021. And after offering the astrology of Russia's Saturn return in Aquarius, we now present the astrology of the rise to power of Kamala Harris, part one. This new podcast and future podcasts in this series contain the natal and secondary progress charts for Kamala Harris, her relocation chart for Washington, D.C., and world map of her key solar, lunar, and planetary lines of energy, the U.S. birth chart for July 4th, 1776 at the Declaration of Independence, the presidential inauguration horoscope for Joe Biden and vice presidential inauguration of Kamala Harris on January 20th, 2021, the total solar eclipse on April 8, 2024, in three years, and other horoscopes of major celestial alignments that will be happening during the next several years. Overall, this is the 75th podcast offered to the public since May of 2019. Uh, This is uh, very challenging to do. This is in many ways, let's call it an introduction. I'm calling it part one of a two-part series about Kamala Harris. Um, I'll get into why this is complicated uh, it's one of the more complicated ones, but nevertheless, hopefully we'll, in about two hours, I will be able to share the essence of where we're going with all this and why it's important. Just for the record, this is, um, I didn't plan for sure that I was going to do it tonight. I've been preparing this for many, for many, many months. And since, uh, I created a podcast or two podcasts, uh, in the summer of 2020, during the time that Joe Biden selected Kamala Harris to be his running mate. So there are podcasts on that. And also the series that I have been running, which is going to continue as well, the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and beyond, um, and the election and inauguration series, there's plenty of information on Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, uh, the election and all those other charts. There's just dozens of charts and m- multiple podcasts on all this. So I've already shared a lot about Kamala Harris uh, and some of the early podcasts uh, in the spring of 2019 when I first got started with all of this, I presented her chart. And at that point, um, she had just declared for the presidency. So it wasn't until later that she, for various reasons, uh, opted out um, and and dropped um, going for it in, in 2020, and then she was selected by Joe Biden. Nevertheless, um, Kamala Harris, as we'll share, born with the sun in Libra and the moon in Aries, is born almost exactly at a full moon. I've already shared that before. Even a tighter full moon than our just recently former President Donald Trump, who I've shared before many times, is born at a total lunar eclipse, Uh, on the day of a full moon, and that has a lot to do with his personality and all the different issues I brought up about uh, Donald Trump. Uh, Tonight, the moon is in Libra. This is the one time every 27 days that the transiting moon is 
conjunct the sun for Kamala Harris. So we're, we're in sync. This is a good time to be able to discuss in an introduction of part one um, why not Hillary Clinton and not some of these other people who have been in positions like Geraldine Ferraro and uh, Sarah Palin uh, who've been on tickets as vice president. Now we actually have Kamala Harris in the vice presidency and um, first woman to be able to be in this position who could become president at any moment, basically a heartbeat away from becoming president of the United States. So we have to really think about that. Um, and that's part of the reason I've, I want to do that, because right now we're focused on a pandemic. We're focused on uh, all the international relations that have to be restored and changes that are going on as Joe Biden makes one after another of executive decisions. And these issues that are happening now in the in the early part of 2021, with various uh, new strains of, of the uh, COVID um, virus, and it's creating a lot of alarm bells around the world, uh, variations from the United Kingdom, from South Africa, from Brazil, and whether or not the, the vaccines and the vaccinations that are happening will protect everyone. So we're in a giant question mark. Uh, we've already been in this question mark for all of 2020, and now we're, we're in another one while we have a new president and vice president in office. So tonight, um, I just wanted to alert you that we have, uh, where, where I'm recording from on the West Coast, there's actually a storm, so hopefully I won't lose power. I know there's a big a nor'easter that hit the East Coast, so 70 or 80 million people have been experiencing snowfalls, extreme snowfalls. And by the way, let me just remind folk, folks that we just had Mercury stationary course mercury is retrograde i'd like you to um, listen again to my podcast 25 the truth about mercury retrograde which i did back in november 2019 and it has a whole list of famous people born with mercury retrograde as well as uh information that i originally put into my magazine welcome to planet earth the pioneering astrology magazine this was a cover story the truth about mercury retrograde several times back in the 1990s and in our last issue in the year 2000. And so there's a podcast on this so that you can learn more about the power of Mercury when it's retrograde because it's not all that negative. And there are many positive attributes of Mercury retrograde. And I give a list also in that podcast 25. That's in our Mark Learner Astrology uh, radio astroscope section on our website www.greatbearenterprises.com or wherever you get your podcast. However, by going to our website is when you'll see uh, our folder which has the charts. And again, with this 75th podcast, we've got a whole bunch of charts that you want to take a look at regarding Kamala Harris and the, the inauguration chart for January 20th, 2021, the U.S. birth chart. Then I'm going to be sharing about, um, I'm not going to go into a major detail about it, but I want to give the first kind of introduction to a total solar eclipse on April 8, 2024. That's three plus years away. But you know how fast time goes, and that's going to be kind of the corollary and mirror reflection to the total solar eclipse we had in 2017 in Leo. If you remember, going from Oregon through the United States through South Carolina, we're going to have a big one in 2024, which will be the next election year. 
And that is going to be one of the most powerful years. I mean, we've got several other years be between now and then that will all be powerful, including this one, 2022, 2023. As I've shared before, transiting Neptune, which is now in Pisces, is going opposite the USA Neptune from July 4th, 1776. Um, that hasn't happened in 165 years. So that's happening this year. Neptune opposing our Neptune as a country and squaring our Mars. I'm going to get into that in the next couple of podcasts. And then 2022, which I've mentioned several times, Pluto comes back for our country. Pluto has a cycle of approximately 247 years. Country was born uh, July 4th, 1776. And we're now on the verge of having Pluto come back. It's almost there. But three times in 2022 will happen. And this is in the sign Capricorn in what we'd call the financial or financial business assets and money matters for the United States. And of course, as we know, all of these issues with our Treasury Department, with the need to give money to so many people who've lost their jobs, they've lost their homes and residences, lining up for food. There's millions, tens of millions of Americans who are in dire trouble. And so this is a big plight. And in the last year, in 2020, the previous administration was definitely not focusing on what was really happening in this country. And now we have a different president and vice president, whether you look like our current president and vice president or not, things are, are changing. And it's going to be a very divided issue for our country. We know the Senate is exactly divided. So that's in a, on a razor's edge. The House of Representatives is closer than it was two years ago when Nancy Pelosi became Speaker of the House for the second time. Nobody's ever done that as a woman in our history. So we have an extremely divided uh, legislature. We have a very divided uh, Supreme Court, which is now on the conservative end of the spectrum very strongly. And now we've shifted from what was, I don't even know what we want to call conservative Republican executive branch, although I've shared before the the former president, Donald Trump, was never conservative. He was never Republican. This has never been who he is. It still isn't who he is, even though he may claim certain things to uh, be focused in terms of republicanism and conservative principles and so on in how everything has been approached. But that's not who Donald Trump ever was in his behavior. And he certainly doesn't behave as a conservative or Republican in terms of his own life across the board. So if you actually look at everything and you look at his origins in New York and same borough where I came from in Queens, um, and you know the history of, of what happened in his life as a real estate agent, taking over things from his father and everything that happened with casinos and his owning a football team and going to the military academy uh, for five years um, when he was in his early teen, teen years and so on. When you look at the actual history and see everything that developed, you come up with a completely different scenario, as well as the apprentice and the celebrity apprentice for 14 years, than the person so many people now consider to be such a conservative, uh, patriotic figure in terms of who, who he has represented himself to be. At any rate, that's something I've shared before, here and there, in the future we'll share again. But now we've got a whole different story because we have a woman who could become president of the United States at any moment. So tonight's astrology is very significant. Uh, the reason I brought up Mercury is with these storms, Mercury has always been um, a representation of uh, weather changes. We go back a couple of thousand years in the history of astrology. 
Mercury and its movements, we just had Mercury make a station on January 30th, exactly on top of the United States moon in Aquarius, which is our palace Athena. And as I've shared before, this planet called Quaor, another planet beyond Pluto, um, they're all at the 26th um, or the 27th degree of Aquarius. And Mercury has just stopped at that point and now is in a retrograde cycle until February 20th. So we have this enormous storm that just hit the uh, a nor'easter, dumping historic two, two feet of snow in different places. And so very often when we have a powerful Mercury station, not just a retrograde cycle, but the fact that it stopped exactly on top of three celestial bodies in the United States chart. By the way, in Aquarius, the third and final air sign, and of course when you start getting frozen air coming in from the north, you can have a nor'easter. And over here in the West Coast, we're, we've been slashed over the last couple of days with enormous amounts of rain. So I don't think we're going to lose power and therefore I'll be able to keep going with this. So uh, yeah, listen to podcast 25, uh, The Truth About Mercury Retrograde. I, I think you'll find it extremely revealing. Okay, so I have notes all over the place here. That's why I'm saying this is one of the more complicated kind of things to discuss, but I'm going to discuss it anyway. I've got to get the ball rolling on Kamala Harris. Now, before I get into the specifics, again, we have her natal chart. We've got a secondary progress chart. We've got a relocation chart. There's um, what we call a world map that shows all the major solar, lunar, planetary lines affecting the Middle East, how her chart affects the Middle East, the Korean Peninsula, uh, throughout the United States, South America, Europe, and so on. I'll get into that later because, um, well, I'm going to present the map and it'll be in our folder with this podcast 75. It's, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, give you the insight, um, a brief analysis of some of the hotspots. Remember on our website, there's a complimentary section called Global Hotspots about new moons and full moons. We also have complimentary Earth Aquarius news section on news. So these are places to go to read more about astrology as well as astro business keys to learn or relearn or focus on the themes and archetypes of the sun, the moon, the eight main planets, the four main asteroids, and Chiron. So there's plenty of complimentary areas on our website to get into. Of course, I always try and give a little promo uh, for the Astrology Cosmic Calendar. Three words, calendar with a K, that I've done almost for 40 years now which are all the daily alignments, sun, moon, planets, Chiron, um, the four main asteroids, minor aspects, the nodes of the moon, and so on. Because as I shared, each one of us, whether it's Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Vladimir Putin, each one of us as individuals, we're all walking cosmic calendars in our birth charts. Um, the moment, the day, month, and year, and the time of our births and the place. So we, we if we don't focus on the cosmic calendar and the day-to-day -day cycles that are happening all the time, 24-7, we miss an enormous amount of the resonance, as above, so below. The different alignments that we're born with, they keep happening uh, in the sky. So in addition to your own transits, in addition to your own natal chart, in addition to even your own secondary progressions, I heartily and strongly advise everybody, subscribe to the Astrology Cosmic Calendar. You can get it for free one day at a time in in wherever you get your apps for uh, iPhone and Android. But for pennies a day, I think it's maybe 
16 cents to 20 cents a day if you take out a one-year subscription or a six-month or one-month subscription you put it on your credit card and you can uh, it will automatically renew but you'll get two three to four weeks into the future to plan meetings to avoid difficult days and times and that is one thing to really get into the astrology cosmic calendar calendar with a K that used to be at the center of welcome to planet earth for 20 years in the 1980s and 90s and I continued it going another 20 years online and so now it's an app okay so Kamala Harris was born October 20th in 1964 I'm gonna give you as many facts in this part one as I possibly can and I've got so many pieces of paper so there's gonna be lots of information and it's something that if you're into um, famous women in politics and Kamala Harris in particular and this extraordinary opportunity of this particular woman to potentially become president of the United States in the meantime learn the ropes of, in the executive branch of the government as vice president and we'll see where all this goes because we know Joe Biden's 78 years old and he's lasted a long time but um, there are question marks that are, are normal to have at this particular point whether somebody who's 78 the next uh, the end of, in November of this year November 20th he'll turn 79 and then next year in 2022 when Pluto comes back three times for the United States he'll turn 80 years old now again we've got a lot of functioning 80 year old people around but Kamala Harris is in the prime of life and we'll get into all that so she, and we know her birth time this is very important we we have an exact birth time from a birth certificate for Kamala Harris with Donald Trump we also had an exact birth time we didn't know and still don't know when Mike Pence was born as far as I know nobody has found his birth certificate or we don't know his exact time and Joe Biden's time is 830 in the morning based on some astrological references perhaps from memory given to a well-known astrologer a couple of decades ago but that has never been updated so that's approximate do we know that Joe Biden was absolutely born at 830 in the morning might have been 827 might have been 815 it might have been eight o'clock might have been 845 so um, we get a feeling that Joe Biden's chart is reasonably accurate but we don't know it's not a hundred percent so that's that's somewhat on a guess level that this is this is something that's really crucial um, because if Kamala Harris whether again you as a listener whether you like her or not it doesn't matter at this particular point I mean what matters is between now and the next election if she ascends into the presidency we can then map um, throughout the United States South, South America Europe Africa the Middle East and so on what we call her um, astro cartography lines her relocation lines mm -hmm. to see as we'll share later where is Neptune rising where's Mars above where are these strategic places that she may have to deal with as the first woman executive leader for the United States we've never had this issue before and other countries are going to test her uh, for various reasons I mean we don't even have to wonder about it I mean do you think that Vladimir Putin or, or Xi of China or whoever it may be um, uh, Bashar al-Assad of Syria um, Erdogan of Turkey some of the more authoritarian figures they're not going to test the United States I mean they're going to test Joe Biden too because he's older 
and and it's going back into kind of the um, Barack Obama years of eight years and somewhat the Bill Clinton years. In other words, tremendous amount of more of the democratic way of doing things within our legislature and the executive branch of government. So different war leaders and countries, and we're already seeing a lot of um, lines being drawn by China and Russia and so on. As I just did in the last podcast about um, Alexei Navalny, who today was sentenced to an extra two and a half years in prison from a, a trumped up embezzlement charge. And we've got thousands of people who have been demonstrating uh, throughout Russia, actually more than thousands, tens of thousands, probably millions. Hundreds have been arrested. And this may continue going on in Russia. So um, you might want to tune into that last podcast I just did, 74, on the Saturn return in Aquarius of Russia, whose modern chart uh, is from December 25, 1991. And even though Russia has a big history, countries reincarnate just like individuals. I believe very firmly we're all souls and spirits. We've lived other lives or what we might call past lives and we'll live again. So um, that's at least my study in terms of reincarnation and metaphysics going back over 47 years that I've been a professional astrologer and I've studied metaphysics for almost 50 now, 50 years. Okay, so now where I'm going to begin in all this is a little bit of an introduction. Because before we can talk about really um, Kamala Harris, I need to give, hopefully, this is only going to be 10 minutes. Okay, so what we need to know about Kamala Harris is her birth, October of 1964, is a very critical time period. Now, I'm going to throw another fact I didn't know. Her husband, her Jewish husband, she married, I guess, about seven years ago, has a bunch of kids. You've probably seen him, Doug Emloff. He's born, guess what, one week before her, one week in 1964, October 13th. So there's another fact. How many people do you know marry somebody who's born within one week of them? Now, it does happen. We, got, we have people who are high school sweethearts and so on, or people somehow meet when they're young. And maybe, I mean, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say it's a very low percentage. Uh, particularly, it's not as if they grew up together. This is only seven years ago that they got married. Okay, so they're both born they're the same age by a week. He's born October 13 of 64. She's born October 20 of 64. One of the things that that gives you a clue is their moons are square. She, he's Jewish. She is raised from her mom was from India. Therefore, she was actually raised with certain Hindu religious interest and I believe her mother also had her go to a Christian church. So now she's connected and this is a very interesting thing. Her husband is Jewish and they have a very apparently profound and very uh, in sync relationship going on. So we've never had a Jewish individual uh, that I know of in the history of, of president or vice president. Um, now, this is by marriage, but the other interesting thing is that Joe Biden is Catholic. There's a reason I'm bringing this up. So we've only had, okay, Al Smith, a Democratic governor from New York, was the first Catholic to run uh, against Herbert Hoover, and Al Smith lost in a landslide to Herbert Hoover. Then, of course, we had the, the stock market crash. So Herbert Hoover wins the presidency and 1928 against Catholic Al Smith. And then he 
in a landslide. And then in 1929, a year after the election of Herbert Hoover, guess what? The great stock market crash, October 24th and October 29, 1929. And Pluto was stationary at that point. And then we discover Pluto in Feb on February 18th, 1930, based on photographic film in Flagstaff, Arizona. So we get the whole rise of the Great Depression. We get this extreme situation. The reason I'm bringing this up is there's a, there's a tremendous amount of anti-Semitism that still exists in this country. We, see, we, we saw it come out in Charlottesville. It's coming out again with the, the Capitol riots on January 6th, the insurrection there. The different groups, this is, they're not the only negative groups, as I've shared before. There are groups on the left, groups on the right. But this is something that has affected the world ever since the, you know, the rise of Hitler and before that. I mean, over, over centuries, over a couple of thousand years. So we've got an important thing is to recognize that from the extreme amounts, um, the extreme right wing politics, the fact that there is a Catholic president, the only other person who was Catholic was John F. Kennedy, as I shared before, he actually went to Houston, Texas in 1960. He, in order, there, there were uh, hundreds of Protestant ministers who were very concerned that a Catholic president would be connected so much to the Pope in Rome that we wouldn't have the right balance of church and state. And president, and and at that point, Senator John John Kennedy went to Houston. He got a standing ovation uh, for his brilliance of what he was sharing and why he shared it, why he was running for president. So that broke. The situation and again that election of course was very close and a contested one with him and nixon 303 electoral votes to 191 in particular texas and illinois and another state or two were in contention and it could have gone the other way but jfk be, be, became our first catholic president but of course we know what happened november 22nd 1963 was assassinated so here's the introduction just think this through with me our country, and again, in our Earth Aquarius news section on, on Great Bear Enterprises, I have one of the most definitive articles that I've ever written, um, The Wound That Never Heals, America's uh, Turning Point of the 20th Century, about John F. Kennedy, his life, his murder, and so on. So you, you can get into that there in the Earth Aquarius news section if you have it. So we're now talking about um, 11 months before Kamala Harris is born, okay, as well as Doug M. Hoff, her husband. November 22nd, 1963. And by the way, Chiron not moving, that's another thing I've gotten into all about Chiron, the wounded healer, the twilight zone, uh, shamanism, mentors, holistic healing, rainbow bridges, all kinds of spiritual currents, but also wounds and pain and so on. And I've shared about the archetype of Chiron as a centaur in its mythology. So on, exactly on the day that John F. Kennedy is assassinated, Chiron is totally not moving. And as I've shared before, stations of celestial bodies imprint the power of that archetype or their archetypes into humanity and on Earth. And that's what happened the day JFK was murdered. So we were thrown into this twilight zone um, as Zane Stein um, uh, uh, articulated, we're thrown into chirological time beyond chronological time, and suddenly, particularly those four days of J JFK being murdered, 
from that Friday through Saturday, Sunday, and then the big procession in Washington, D.C. of all the war leaders on Monday, um, November 25th, uh, several days later. And of course, remember Lee Harvey Oswald, the apparent um, assassin, is then assassinated on Sunday, November 24th by Jack Ruby. So this is like one of the more extraordinary time periods. We're all, all of America around the world, we're thrown out of our regular timing mechanisms, which is Saturnian, and we're all in this chironic twilight zone of higher dimensional, interdimensional, soul searching, all kinds of things. Now, the reason I bring this up is um, it's so connected to so many different things. Let me just give you one example. The asteroid Vesta, which I just shared in terms of the inauguration chart, Vesta was stationary, exactly square to the United States Mars and within one degree of the United States Neptune. And I've shared before the four main asteroids, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta, they're so connected to all of our lives. We need to understand them. My main female teacher, Eleanor Bach, um, in New York City back in 1973, she brought about the first asteroid ephemeris, Ceres, Pallas, Athena, Juno, and Vesta. And I've said before, we have a great report, uh, four asteroids in Chiron. Right now, we've got 30% off, at least for a couple of days. Um, but whether we have the discount or not, in our report section, uh, in the astrology shop at Great Bear Enterprises, you can get yourself um, a four asteroids and Chiron report, which is not all that expensive. Learn more about where the asteroids are in the signs of the zodiac, in the houses in your chart, what are the major alignments, what are their mythological archetypes and their aspects. So you can get into all of that and learn about the asteroids and Chiron. Okay, so one of the things about Vesta was um, Vesta was literally on the United States Ascendant at aid of Sagittarius when John F. Kennedy was murdered and, and put to rest at, in Arlington Na National Cemetery. And Jackie Kennedy created what's called the Eternal Flame, which is a Vesta archetype. Vesta has a lot to do with safety and security, home and hearth. Uh, it has to do with insurance coverage and, and how we invest our time and energy. It has to do with soul sisters and sisterhoods and fellowships and also occult traditions and secret groups like the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and so on. And as well of negative groups like the KKK or neo-Nazis and so on. So Vesta can be very positive. It can have a negative effect, just like every single celestial body can operate on a low, middle, or high level. So when, when John F. Kennedy is murdered, we have so many different archetypes of things going on, Chiron not moving, so many other planetary um, alignments, but Vesta is one of the more powerful ones. And, it, and just today, uh, Brian David Sicknick, the, the, the police officer from Washington, D.C., was um, his ashes were brought into the Capitol Rotunda um, for his family to go there, as well as Joe Biden and Jill Biden, President Biden and First Lady came in there to pay their respects. And tomorrow, this is the police officer who lost his life um, during the insurrection on January 6th. So it brought up, um, I looked, I was able to see his birthday and I noticed something that was really interesting, which was that he was born when Vesta was stationary at the same degree of the Zodiac of when John F. Kennedy uh, died and was murdered. Um, this, this officer who lost his life was born July 30th of 1978. So this was what, uh, 14 plus years 
um, after JFK was murdered and Vesta, which has about a four year cycle or so, would have gone through the uh, three orbits and came back exactly to where it was when JFK was murdered, which is also the United States ascendant. So this is what's so amazing about how astrology works. And also um, this slain officer, Brian Sicknick, born July 30th, 1978, who's being honored now um, after he, he died the day after the insurrection there. He died the evening of January 7th of 2021. I, I looked at his chart. It turns out his Venus is at 21 of Virgo, which is exactly where Vesta just made its station. So um, you can't make this up. It just shows that if you look even at things that the, the only way I got this fellow's birth information was I was watching TV in the last couple of hours and they were showing the Capitol Rotunda and he wasn't lying in state because I guess he just um, his family, he decided to be cremated. So his ashes were there and it had his birthday on there and I stopped the TV in order to roll it back. When was he born? Because it just seemed like, oh, this is very significant because we're about to have the second impeachment trial. Senators, particularly Republicans, are needing to really stand up and figure out where do they stand as a party? Are they still going to be following Trump in the next couple of years? Or are they going to find their own souls, shall we say, and get back on target to sort of be the conservative Republicans with the principles that they've always had? So this is just a, a brief note uh, to be aware of that um, the death of this police officer um, who apparently was um, hit in the head with a fire extinguisher by these mad rioters who, who stormed um, the Capitol. And we know, as I've shared before, uh, to many people might think, oh, that's over with. Well, just by hair's breadth or razor's edge, Mike Pence, they wanted to hang him. They wanted to uh, do something terrible to uh, Nancy Pelosi. We now know Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was scared for her life. And Hundreds of senators and representatives were all cowering in fear because they didn't know what was going to happen. And it was only due to a couple of police officers steering people in another direction. Otherwise, we would have had more than five people dying. Five people died. Many were injured. But this uh, was the only uh, uh, police officer of the Capitol Police. So it's a very poignant but very meaningful and tragic situation that's developing. At any rate, his, he's connected back to Vesta, connected back to what I'm talking about as we get into uh, Kamala Harris and her birth in October of 64. The other part of the story then is, is you may not be aware of if you're younger or you've forgotten that as the United States was dealing with uh, JFK's murder and Lyndon Johnson took over, then he, created, he, put, he put together what would be the Warren Commission. He put Earl Warren um, into the head of this um, group, all white guys, um, to be a part of the Warren Commission to investigate uh, President Kennedy's murder. We also know Gerald Ford became a member of that and eventually went on to become vice president under Nixon after Agnew resigned, and then he became president, and then he lost to Jimmy Carter. So that's a whole other issue. Meanwhile, in 1964, the Beatles come over, and in early February, they, they are on the Ed Sullivan show. And this starts the whole wave of um, the British rock groups and so on, Rolling Stones, all these other ones, the Kinks and on and on. And then eventually, of course, the Beatles will go on to um, um, go, go to uh, India to connect to the Maharishi. And they start 
reconnecting America to the Eastern realms. And of course, we had a lot of different people, um, Alan Watts, R.D. Lang, a lot of people I read in college who had already got into, I remember a book called Psychotherapy East and West. Many different um, Westerners had gone already to India and other places. I mean, in terms of philosophers and writers and so on, but the Beatles going over in early 1964, I mean, they came here and then eventually it wasn't until several years later that they wind up connecting to the Maharishi, getting into yoga and spirituality and meditation and taking drugs and different kinds of things. So the point is, is that we, we have this turning point, what I call the wound that never heals, America's turning point of the 20th century with, with the murder of John F. Kennedy at this powerful time of Chiron, of Vesta, of so many different key planetary energies. There was much more. Venus and Mars were in a conjunction at that point in Sagittarius when he died. So many other kinds of things. And then in a couple of months, then the Beatles come over and it's almost kind of a, um, a nurturing through music, a whole new melody, a whole new sound. And I'll get into this in an, another podcast in the future about the astrology of sound and music. There's something I want to present about that based on some um, cover stories I did back about music and classical music. So I'll get into that in the future. But it's around this time, if you just think of a pregnancy cycle, that Kamala Harris's mother becomes pregnant. It would have been around February, let's see if that's right, uh, the second month of the year, yeah, January or February, because Kamala Harris is, is born in October. So in the aftermath of the JFK murder, and the, as 1964 gets started, Kamala Harris's mom becomes pregnant, okay? The Beatles come to the United States, we've got this interim and change. Meanwhile, with the Warren Commission trying to figure out what's going on with who sh who killed President Kennedy, whether it was it a conspiracy and, and so on. And of course, we, ne we know that it was kind of a whitewash and all these other things have happened where we still don't know the truth about all that, but we'll keep that aside for the time being. But what else is happening in 64? This becomes, with Lyndon Johnson, the beginning of the Vietnam War. Okay, Be well, I shouldn't say the beginning, but the beginning of adding thousands and thousands of more troops. And then in the summer of 64 is the Gulf of Tonkin incident in August, the beginning of August of 64. This is just before, you know, a couple months before Kamala Harris. And again, what we don't realize, or she doesn't realize her future husband is going to be born a week before her. So we have the Gulf of Tonkin incident of apparently North Vietnamese gunboats firing on us. And we use that as a kind of false flag thing to say, hey, they did this terrible thing. And now it's like full scale war against them and, and so on. And this eventually leads to over the next several years of this tremendous wave of fighting in Vietnam. In the meantime, over in Berkeley, California, right at the point in the fall of 64, again, as Kamala Harris is about to be born, We've got the free speech movement happening in California. Now, remember, um, Kamala Harris was born in Oakland, California. It turns out there was just a show. This is another fact, another important thing on CNN. Kamala Harris making history. I've seen it now twice. One hour show because it goes into how when she was born, it shows that her mother was very active at that point 
in her own education and with the free speech movement and different things that are happening in that fall. Now, again, she's pregnant, so she's about to give birth. But we've got the Warren Commission. We've got the Beatles coming over. We've got the Gulf of Tonkin incident that begins this process that will eventually lead to all kinds of battles between particularly um, people on the left wanting to revolt. We don't want to have a war. And I was my my uh, at this point, I was only 14, which I'll get to. I was just getting I guess when uh, I think I was a. I wasn't a freshman, I was a sophomore or junior in high school at this point, 1964. I was, I was 14 years old. So I'm going to get into that in a minute because of the, the month of October of 64 was a very big month in terms of sports, in terms of New York, in terms of, it turns out, the person who in my life was my sports hero, Mickey Mantle, which we'll get into in a moment and how this all connects. It may seem far-fetched, but it isn't. So at any rate, we've got all these different things happening. The free speech movement begins particularly very strongly in Ber Berkeley, right close to Oakland, where Kamala Harris is about to be born. And Martin Luther King also winds up getting the Nobel Peace Prize on October 14th of uh, one day after Doug Emhoff, Kamala Harris's future husband, is born. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wins the Nobel Peace Prize, and that's six days before Kamala Harris is born. Okay, so just remember all of that. All these different events are happening. The Warren Commission comes out on September 28th. Remember, this is an election year. This is when Johnson is going to, in a landslide, defeat Barry Goldwater. And we're not going to get into all of that, but that's part of what's going on here. Ratcheting up the war in the summer. We're now fighting this war. The Civil Rights Act is passed that summer. Okay, that's the other big thing that happened uh, somewhere in July of 1964. This, again, this is all while Kamala Harris is in the womb. I mean, as a soul, as a baby, developing, about to be born in the fall. So heavy-duty things are happening in America and around the world in 64. So I've given you the basic kind of things. The Warren Commission comes out in September, and then that's published to the world, to, you know, and a lot of people question it and so on, but it comes out, Lee Harvey Oswald is the only person and so on and so forth. Of course, they don't interview everybody and eventually in the future, everybody has questions. So many people have questions. Mark Lane, who eventually um, writes Rush to Judgment a couple years later, um, someone from New York. I read that as a teenager. I think it came out in 66 or 67, a couple years later. And that's what started me in terms of studying and reading and just before we went to college getting into the whole situation with president kennedy because as a 13 and a half year old when he died that is the big change in my life as we go into this 1964 time period so now bear with me because i grew up in new york city and it turned out that um this became the psychic moment of how many years i didn't get into astrology until i was 22 years old 22 23 1972-73. But in 1964, and this is why I have to do this so that you understand about me and why I'm doing Kamala Harris, why I'm focused on her, why she's very important. A, the, th the events that were happening 
while she was in the womb and coming in as a soul about to be born October 64 were gigantic. So I just laid out these kind of things of the, the turning point, which I believe for the whole 20th century for the United States had just happened. JFK is murdered, November 63, very significant astrology. Then in those months thereafter, everything changes and if we go off course. That's one of the big things. The turning point of the 20th century is his death and then Lyndon Johnson coming in for all the good he did or tried to do, civil rights and other things. He leads us on this perilous course to because of the domino theory of communism in Indochina and affecting Laos and Cambodia. If we don't take care of Vietnam, the, the Red Chinese and the communists are going to take over all these countries. Um, so... I recently talked to several different people who were born in the 60s and they had never heard of the domino theory because the domino theory had developed in the 1950s um, after Mao had had won the war against Shanghai, Shaq and China and China became Red China, uh, October 1, 1949. Um, Stalinist Russia after World War II and developing nuclear weapons and so on. And the death of Stalin in 53 and the rise of Khrushchev and the Cold War and all these other things. In the meantime, we have this fight with, with North Vietnam and the split between South Vietnam and North Vietnam and the North Vietnamese being supported by Russians and Chinese um, and we supporting South Vietnam and the development of this domino theory. At any rate, hundreds of thousands of Americans are eventually sent to Vietnam. And this is what creates um, the movement, the, the, the liberal movement against the war, which leads eventually to Lyndon Johnson not seeking re-election and leads to the terrible events of 1968 when I became a student at Michigan State. And again, the assassination of Martin Luther King, the assassination of Robert Kennedy, um, Nixon defeating Humphrey in the fall of 1968 and all the horrendous events of 1968. Meanwhile, back to 1964. So what happens is, is that the, to bring me in the picture, only on the level of how, how this became a psychic moment in my life. And I don't tap myself as Mark Lerner, psychic astrologer. However, with my own birth chart, as a sun in Pisces, and currently Neptune is making a once-in-a-lifetime crisscrossing around my sun. So that's been part of what's been going on for me, doing these podcasts in particular, and doing so many other things, being on Coast to Coast. Um, all the different articles that I've put together are the app, where we also have Astrology in 5, where I'm reading from Mysteries of Venus, which I published back in 1985. Astro Flash artic um, articles that are also on the app. And also, if you subscribe, the Cosmic Chat. Um, if you subscribe to Astrology Cosmic Calendar, and that's a, a center or an area of creating world goodwill by putting out different ideas and where people can respond as well. So it's in development. It's not finished. It's called the Cosmic Chat. And it's a little section. It's almost like a mini Facebook but um, it's going to be developed in the future. And right now, it's part of what I feel is important, working with World Goodwill, connected to lucistrust.org, the place where I worked before going to Findhorn back in the 70s. At any rate, so what happens to me, and I'll make this as brief as I can, on October 10th of 1964, now I've, I've given you the scenario here, Doug Emhoff, the Jewish 
future husband of uh, Kamala Harris, is born October 13th of 64. Kamala Harris is born a week later on October 20th, 64. Why am I throwing myself into the mix here? Well, this is when my whole life changes because of the death of John F. Kennedy in November 63. Beatles come, that affects me too. I mean, growing up at that particular point, that's, that's a wave of music that affects me. I'm in the middle of high school, and, and two events are about to happen to me in this time period, right as Kamala Harris and her husband are being born as babies. On Saturday, October 10, in New York City, the third game of the World Series is happening between the St. Louis Cardinals and the New York Yankees. Now, I have been grow up as a Yankee fan. I'm not going to get into all that. I've shared before about Yogi Berra. My dad was a doctor, but we're growing up in New York. I mean, we love the, the New York Giants, the Brooklyn Dodgers. They eventually, in 57, 58, they go to the West Coast. So now we have the New York Yankees. And we don't get the New York Mets until we get into 1961, 62, and the early 60s. Meanwhile, we've got the New York Yankees. And, of course, all of their players I love, but in particular, I love Mickey Mantle. He's my idol or whatever, hero. So on a Saturday on October 10, again, three days and, and, and 10 days before the births of Doug Emhoff and Kamala Harris in that year. I'm on my way on a Saturday, a beautiful day, to go to a park. Again, I'm, I'm in Queens, New York, the same borough where Donald Trump was born four years before me. So, of course, Donald Trump was a fan, fanatical Yankee fan, just like Rudy Giuliani and so many New Yorkers. And now we have this great World Series in 1964. Meanwhile, the year before... The Dodgers, who had gone to, from Brooklyn to Los Angeles, beat the Yankees four games straight. This was in October of 63. And I didn't, in a way, and I, I have to mention this, baseball psychically, and as we know from Ken Burns' great series on baseball, as the national pastime, even though now football seems to have taken uh, the place of baseball, basketball is big, hockey is big, soccer is big, we have so many different sports, tennis, golf, and so on, Olympics. But baseball has been and still is, in many ways, the national pastime. So it's often psychically connected. I will explain this another time. I know for some of you might say, well, how is sports so connected to politics or anything else or government? All I can tell you is it definitely is. It has to do with numbers. It has to do with patterns. It has to do with vibrations and so on. So I've studied this tremendously throughout 47 years the astrology of sports i mean this is a big thing that i study when i watch super bowl games and different kinds of games i've studied this back and forth there are different astrologies i'm not saying one can predict a hundred percent who's going to win a game or whatever it is um, but there are different things that one can do you look at say um, the charts of a manager for baseball or when the game starts or same thing with football or basketball you know who are the who are the players? Um, I've checked this out with quarterbacks like um, Tom Brady versus Eli Manning during the two Super Bowls when Eli Manning beat Tom Brady. I looked at the astrology of those things and could see why Tom Brady lost those two Super Bowls because of the charts of Tom Brady and Eli Manning. I'm just giving you examples. So I'm not the only person who does this. Okay, there are a lot of people who work with sports and, you know, often from gambling and things like Las Vegas and other kinds of things. I'm not talking about it from that perspective. I'm talking about it in terms of numbers and patterns and horoscopes and when when games begin 
and doing the astrology charts of things or of the people who are in charge or of coaches and managers and so on. There's a vast astrology that can be used to understand all of this. At any rate, a year before, in October of 63, the Dodgers beat the Yankees four games straight. It was, for me and for New Yorkers, that was very demoralizing. Of course, there are many, we still do not have uh, the Seattle Mariners and they're gone to the World Series. There are plenty of teams that's like, hey, why are you complaining when you're in New York and they've been in the World Series so many times? I'm just saying as a kid growing up, when you're into all of that and you're 13 years old and you don't realize the President of the United States is about to be horribly murdered, you, as a kid, it was kind of depressing for your team not even to win one game. Okay, the the... The, the super champions of the New York Yankees, they had beaten um, the San Francisco Giants in 62. They had beaten Cincinnati Reds in 61. They had lost um, to the Pittsburgh Pirates in 60 in seven-game series. So the Yankees, of course, had had, you know, sterling records from the 1920s and 30s and 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on. So we get into the situation of, of October 10, Saturday, October 10, of 1964 and I'm on the way just to play with my friends at one of the parks where I lived in the area of Kew Gardens in Forest Hills, New York, which is not far from, again, where Donald Trump uh, was born. But at any rate, I'm just going to play with my friends. And as I'm walking there, and I only have about a dollar in my pocket, I'm, a, I'm, not, and I'm definitely not supposed to go anywhere. I mean, my parents would not want me to travel somewhere. I realized that the, the Yankees are going to be playing at Yankee Stadium in the third game of the World Series. I knew it was going to happen that day, and I just figured when I got home later, I would maybe catch the game on TV, talk to my dad who'd be at home or whatever. But there's a voice in my head that says, go to Yankee Stadium. And it's like, what? Go to Yankee Stadium. Now, I realized I didn't have a ticket to go to a World Series game. Nobody in my family, my dad would have loved to have gone to a World Series game. He, he knew, he listen to Babe Ruth and on the radio, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, these different people in the 1920s and 1930s before before TV. Now you tell me all these stories. Well, he never got to go to a World Series game and that was always something that only like an elite person or somebody who knew somebody could get into a World Series game. So at any rate, where I am um, walking that time, was almost, it was pretty much a voice in my mind. I'm only 14 years old, 14 and a half, know nothing about astrology, won't know anything about astrology for a number of years. Go to Yankee Stadium, kind of like field dreams, you know, go the distance. So go to Yankee Stadium. Well, I knew how to get to Yankee Stadium because my dad and I had gone there sometimes by subway and sometimes by car. So I knew I had enough to, to go on a, a, a subway token to go it was a little bit of an unusual thing. And again, I'm not supposed to do this. I mean, at 14, if basically growing up in my family, if my mom or grandmother knew, hey, I'm not at the park playing with my friends, which is where I told everybody was gonna go for a few hours. Instead, I'm taking two subways to get to the Bronx where Yankee Stadium is. At any rate, that's what I do. And I show up there, you know, I just wanted to be, to get a sense, this was what my feeling was. It was a beautiful day. What would it be like to be around Yankee Stadium? That was my feeling. Just to see the smells, peanuts, hot dogs, you know, on the outside. I didn't have a ticket. There's no way I'm going to get to see a game. How would I ever get to see a game? So I get there and I have enough, a, a token to go home. And I think I had like 35 more cents in my pocket in case I 
they, they'd have different vendors there. Maybe I could buy some souvenir or something. So I see everybody, and everybody's about to go in. I got in there just before game time, and I'm, I'm just about to turn around to go back on the subway and go home. Okay, this was it. I got to be, you know, I can tell my dad. I, I wasn't even going to tell him because I didn't want my family to know that instead of just going with my friends around the corner and play ball, you know, basketball or whatever we were going to play that day uh, at a concrete playground, just be with my friends. Instead, here I am taking two subways going to the Bronx where I shouldn't be. Well, three guys, tall guys with Texas, uh, with, with cowboy boots and hats, they say to me, son, do you have a ticket to go to the game? And I, I mean, I grew up to not talk to strangers or do anything. But here I am in front of Yankee Stadium. They said, do you have a ticket to go to the game? And I shook my head no. And they said, do you want to see, Do you want to go to the game? It's like they said our fourth guy didn't show up. Uh, somebody else from Texas, I guess, didn't show up. And we have an extra ticket to the game. So I figured, what, what's going to happen to me? There's 67,000 people at Yankee Stadium. So I said, okay. <laughs> Thinking about it right now, I mean, it's just like I think of myself as a 14-year-old, and I, I know I was thinking if my mom or my grandmother or even my dad, if they knew what I was doing, I mean, this would be like punishment somehow. Even 14 in high school, of course, I'm almost an adult. I mean, in a couple of years. But nevertheless, so we go. I'm in the stadium, unbelievable seats, Yankee Stadium, very historic, mezzanine, behind home plate. It's a tie score, one-to-one. And it goes into the ninth inning, and St. Louis Cardinals bring in their knuckleballer, Barney Schultz, who warms up on the mound. And my idol, Mickey Mantle, is up number one. And um, to, to everybody has gone for a few minutes. Everybody's thinking, okay, the game is tied. The odds are it's going to go into extra innings. They're not focused on Mickey Mantle as the first player in the bottom of the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium. People going to get hot dogs and sodas, like settling down. Maybe this will be extra innings and so on. At any rate, long story short here. So Mickey Mano comes up batting left-handed. Barney Schultz is his knuckleballer. Well, knuckleball pitchers, if the, if, if the actual pitch is knuckling, then it's hard to hit. Once in a while with knuckleball pitchers, it doesn't, it doesn't move around. And at any rate, Mickey Mantle hits the first pitch into the upper deck in right field. Everybody jumps up. It's a, it's a sound that I've never heard before or after of like when people would say the roar of the crowd. This was not a roar. I mean, this was like a thunderclap. And of course, when, when the ball is hit and you're wherever you are, you know that it's going to be a home run. It's not like, will it go over the fence? This was like Yankee Stadium had three tiers. So this is an upper deck thing, like what we'd call a moonshot. So it's this unbelievable moment for me as a kid and for 67,000 people at Yankee Stadium. And then, of course, in the news and all these other things. So this is all happening again. In the 10 days before Kamala Harris is born, of course, I don't know any of that, three days before her future husband is born. And meanwhile, he rounds the bases. Again, they all congratulate him. And then Eventually, the Yankees wind up losing the series. These guys say, hey, you want to come back the next day? Uh, there's going to be two more games. I said, okay, well, we'll see what happens. I'll meet you at the same place. Then I go home, and then I tell my, my family the story. My dad cannot believe that I did that, that it was amazing. He wanted to tell me, wow, you, you missed something when you were at the park. This is what happened. He was going to tell me the whole thing because he watched it at home, and I had to tell him. Dad was at the game, and he couldn't believe 
that I did that and that it, that it even happened. Of course, my mom and my grandmother said, well, there's no way on earth you're going to go back there again, you know, strangers. And the next day, the Yankees are leading three to nothing. And then um, the third baseman for St. Louis hits a grand slam in the sixth inning, four to three. The Yankees lose. And Al Downing is the pitcher uh, for the Yankees, comes in the left-hander. Ten years later, he's the pitcher for the Dodgers, giving up Hank Aaron's 715th home run. Talk about synchronicity. So the Yankees wind up losing um, the, the game after, and the game after that, and instead of being up two games out of three, they're now down three games out of two. Then they go back to St. Louis, and then uh, the Yankees win one game. It's tied three to three, and then they lose the last game to the Cardinals. And the reason I bring all this up is, <laughs> well, there's another whole reason. Okay, okay, so I have this incredible moment, a psychic moment, go to Yankee Stadium, just like with, with Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams, that whole thing. This is what starts me as a 14-year-old of like, it's not a question of hearing voices. It's a question of like things connected to sports and to numbers and to uh, the other thing about Mickey Mantle was he was in constant pain. And so this has a lot to do, which I can't get into, of how I work with the John F. Kennedy thing because of the pain of, of um, that he had been in in his life before ever being killed. And then the, the pain of the, his wound. But he was already wounded from PT-109 and his childhood and other th kinds of things. And Mickey Mantle is another person who had been playing in constant pain. So the whole idea of healing and pain and wounds and all of that and Chiron and other things, this all part of this. And by the way, Kamala Harris has her Chiron elevated in the middle of Pisces. And that's, I've shared this before, that's where the United States secondary progressed sun, secondary progressed Pallas Athena and our natal and uh, secondary progressed Sedna in the U.S. birth chart are all together. And she's born when Chiron is in that same spot in her her natal chart. So she's connected to the progressions of the U.S. chart that I've been doing over the last couple of years. And now she's in, she's vice president of the United States, possibly going to be president. Okay, one more thing about 64 there. The other thing that's weird, because it gives me kind of chills now to think about this whole time, and that's why I've had to spend this time as an introduction before we get into other things about Kamala Harris, the real story, which we'll get into about her own chart and her cycles and these other charts that are important. About a week after, somewhere about a week after that October 10, that Saturday, right after Doug Emhoff is born, I don't even know where he was born. I think he was born in New Jersey, actually. So the future husband of Kamala Harris, he's a baby, he's born. She's about to be born in Oakland, California. We have all of these things happening in the United States and around the world. Now, we, I have this psychic moment of going to Yankee Stadium and my hero hits a home run, bottom of the ninth inning to win that game. By the way, before I tell you the other part of this thing, years later, I was, when I was publishing Welcome to Planet Earth out here in Eugene, Oregon, in the middle of the night, and I was, I had published one of our issues uh, about two something in the morning, Larry King, who just passed away recently, before he got his gig on, uh, on CNN, he was on the radio for many years, and I, I remember this was so weird at around 2.30 in the morning putting an issue to rest of Welcome to Planet Earth. This is when I was out in, uh, somewhere in the 1990s, so this is like 30 years after 1964. I just turn on the radio. I'm on the way home. Um, this is in the 1990s, and I, and I turn on the radio, 
and I don't even know what station it was on, at the exact moment that Larry King, who's interviewing Mickey Mantle, I had no idea it was even on, Larry King says, so Mick, you hit 536 home runs in your life. Was there one home run that was more significant than any other? And Mickey Mantle being interviewed, um, again, this would have been maybe in the late 80s because Mickey Mantle died in 1994. So it might have been early 90s or might have been uh, somewhere in the 80s. Actually, uh, it might have been simulcast on CNN. So it's possible that Larry King was already doing his, his television thing. But I turned turned on the radio and I hear Larry King said, is there one home run that meant more to you in five out of 536? And Mickey Mail says third game, 1964 world series against the Cardinals, bottom of the ninth thing, the very game that I went to that, that was just a lark. That was a voice in my mind saying, go to Yankee stadium. So then there's that synchronicity of turning the radio on. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. Why, why is that happening? So every so often, every so many years, these different things would happen, um, which would then spark uh, the psychic abilities of numbers and patterns and astrology and different things over the course of my life. So the other thing that's really weird about all this, the corollary to my sort of psychic thing with sports and going to Yankee Stadium in 1964, which is simultaneously with the birth of Kamala Harris and her future husband, is that possibly um, even got been even on Kamala Harris's birthday? Actually, it wasn't. It was it was the Saturday thereafter. So I think it was October seventeenth. This is the best guess I have. The Saturday it would have been three days before Kamala Harris was born. It's a week after I've gone to Yankee Stadium, had this profound experience, and got to to see my idol hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. And then it's another beautiful day, and I go to the park, the same park that I should have been the week before, but here's the corollary. That morning, I can't get out of bed. It's as if like my body, I, I think that maybe I have polio or something because there's something that is preventing me from standing up. And I remember staying in bed and my dad uh, looked in my room and said, when are you getting up? And I just said, oh, I'm tired, dad, you know, whatever. But it's normally I'd be up very early on a Saturday and it took every ounce of will for me to get out of bed and I just, it took me a couple of hours. I didn't know what was happening to, again, I was only 14 years old and I don't, I still don't know what, what it was, but all I know is that I watched my face. I sort of got enough energy to stand up and get out of bed. I didn't know why my legs weren't working or anything. Any rate, this will become significant in a moment. So I get all my energy together and I take a football with me to go to the park, um, just to toss a football around with one of my friends get to the park and outside of the park, it's a concrete park. Uh, I just start tossing the ball to my friend. And then I ask him to throw it over my shoulder so that I'll sort of like turn around and make a catch. And he throws it over my shoulder and I run into a tree. There was a little bit of a tree there and I slam my shoulder and I break my collarbone. And I knew I had broken my collarbone as soon as I slammed into the tree, but more so, I immediately remembered, oh my God, this is why I was in bed. It was almost like there was a warning. My guardian angel, my spirits, whoever, my higher self was warning me, don't, this is a dangerous day. And I still don't know, I, I don't know, I haven't investigated the astrology of it. But all I know is that I broke my collarbone. Now, when I was three and a half, I broke my leg. So this is now I'm 14 and a half, a little over 14 and a half. 
And one week after having this amazing psychic moment at Yankee Stadium, hearing a voice or my own higher voice saying, go to Yankee Stadium, and then I have this extraordinary experience. A week later, I go to the same park after feeling like maybe I have polio and I can't get out of bed and there's something wrong with my legs and I summon all my energy and I go there and then I toss a football to my friend. He throws it over my shoulder and I slam into a tree and I break my collarbone. And it was very, you may not know this, but when you have a broken collarbone, it's not like you get a cast on your collarbone. It's I had a finger eight bandage for, for a couple of weeks. Um, it was very painful um, kind of a thing until it healed. And I remember the first night my dad slept in an extra bed in my room. It was just like so uncomfortable. And also I couldn't take any, there were certain tests, particularly in math. I remember I was in geometry class, which is interesting because I love geometry and I was able to do one of these hypothesis proofs on geometry in the back of the room while everybody else was writing out their thing. The teacher said, I know you can't write because it had affected my right shoulder and I'm right-handed. So I wasn't able to write anything. It was too painful to move the muscles in my right arm. So at any rate, with this particular test in mathematics, the teacher was very kind. And it was, I remember it very vividly because everybody else in the class had to write out their proofs and their hypotheses, whereas she was very kind and said, well, let's just go in the back of the room and tell me verbally how you would, you know, triangle this, X equals Y, whatever it was, the whole geometric thing. And I got an A and I passed it. And I just remember to this day getting, having a test that was supposed to be written that I took orally because I broke my collarbone. So that's the story of October of 64. And, and again, what I've learned is in studying Kamala Harris's chart and all these different things, it brings me back to when I be, way before, eight years to nine years before I ever got into astrology, was the beginning of my psychic sensitivity about, through sports, but also hurting myself, having a broken collarbone. So through pain and through watching my hero who played in pain all the time, and a year after the pain of the President of the United States being murdered, and the civil rights issues of the summer of 1964, and the start of the Vietnam War, all of these things that historically are part of pain. Now, why this is significant is also that Kamala Harris, if you remember in the debate with Joe Biden, she's the one who, of all the Democrats, told him that she had been bust when she was four years old, which would have been in 1968, when she was four years old, when she was living in Oakland, that um, she talked about a little girl who had to be bust and how that was traumatic in her life to go to this other community. And if you remember, if you saw that debate, you'd see Joe Biden looking at her because she said, that little girl was me. She had told the story like a little girl of, uh, of color growing up, having to be bust. So the whole thing of civil rights, and that was a turning point of that debate. And then when we learned Again, if you if you watch the Kamala Harris making history on CNN or you know anything about her, she was her first main position of power in California was district attorney of San Francisco. Then she became attorney general of California. Then, of course, she became senator. Um, and then and now she's vice president of the United States. But she wanted to be president. She had started. She came out. I forget when it was, but in 2019, in fact, her rally was one of the in Oakland, California, was one of the bigger rallies. And I know Rachel Maddow on MSNBC, her feeling was, hey, Kamala Harris, I'm for her. Or uh, 
she, when she talks about it, that when when Kamala Harris came out um, to run for president, uh, Rachel Maddow was thinking she's got a shot at it after the whole Hillary Clinton debacle of 2016. Okay, so having said all that, and that took, I think, I don't know, I'm just going to take a look here, but I've been wanting to share this for an incredibly long time, and I think I, this has taken me a little over an hour to get the introduction going, but that's the way it is. So at least I've said what I needed to say. And now you know a lot more about my background, how it connects up to Kamala Harris, the, the sequence of events of 1963-64. One other thing I want to say is, in December of 63, I had been fortunate to go to a summer camp with my sisters. This brings up the idea of, of why I'm so tuned in to Kamala Harris. I was the fifth member of the family. In fact, my parents never told me that there was a girl who died. Uh, my mom gave birth to a child. My mom had German measles. This was in 1942. This baby would have been born, lasted three days. I was never told this. And then, uh, and then my older sister was born in 1944. Then the, the sister who was just uh, a little older than myself was born in 1947. And then I was born, I was the last member of the family. So I grew up with two older sisters. I would have had three if the, the baby had lived. And so, and then the, um, so many of the people I've, I've been close to in my life have, have sisters and I have two daughters myself. And then my, my daughters, uh, have two daughters. Um, now there are boys now in the family, but it took a really long time. The whole connection that I have with sisters was very, very big. And we know Kamala Harris has one sister and she was in a divorced family. So her father, who was from Jamaica, um, Kamala Harris's father, then they divorced. I think she was seven. And her mom, who's from India, then uh, became a single mom raising Kamala Harris and her sister, Maya. So um, at any rate, this whole issue of what happened with the debates um, where Kamala Harris winds up. Um, and here's the other connection, even though she's the one who pointedly said to... Um, uh, Joe Biden debate, look, you, you had in the Senate, you had to deal with these segregationist Democratic um, senators, and you had to sort of go against some of your own principles in order to make things happen. Um, and so she was bringing up the whole thing of the racial divide in the country. So again, what I'm saying is, in the summer of 64, when the Civil Rights Act is passed, this is when Kamala Harris is about to be born, as well as the free speech movement as well as the issues about Vietnam, and all this starts culminating over the next several years. Uh, again, in her chart, you will see her Venus is conjunct Uranus and uh, Pluto because she's born in the, in the six, 1964 to 66 period when Uranus and Pluto made their conjunction, which happens infrequently. The previous time, oddly enough, of Uranus and Pluto had coming together was when California became a state. Uh, in, 18, in 1850, September 9, 1850, the state chart for California. So it's interesting that when California entered the Union, Uranus and, and um, Pluto were together late in the sign Aries, where Kamala Harris has her moon conjunct Sedna at the top of her birth chart, which, by the way, in her relocation chart becomes elevated so that um, you'll, you'll see this if you get into the folder. Kamala Harris is born with Gemini rising, with the lunar nodes rising and setting. As I shared uh, either a couple of podcasts ago, 
the new moon before the birth of the United States, the new moon that took place in June of 1776, is exactly, the sun and moon are exactly rising in Kamala Harris's birth chart. All of these little things that I'm adding are all significant points on the way for her to become uh, vice president, potentially uh, president of the United States. So, because they're all key moments, they're key moments of time that are part of the culture about racial issues and ethnic issues and um, particularly women never having positions of power, which we'll get into again. So uh, it turns out that, and I hadn't really thought of this before, that when California entered the Union, September 9, 1850, Uranus and Pluto were together at the end of Aries, and then Kamala Harris, at the next time that Uranus and Pluto are in this conjun conjunction, they're in the middle of Virgo, and then she also has Venus in that area in a triple conjunction, in her fourth house of home, roots, and foundations. And of course, that has a lot to do with the women's movement and all kinds of other things. And again, her being born at a full moon, uh, almost exact, sun at 27 of Libra, moon at 27 of Aries. By the way, I shared in a previous podcast, what's amazing is the Andromeda galaxy, astronomically, is at 27 of Aries. Her moon and her full moon connects her to the Andromeda galaxy. This may sound like, well, what's so important about that? Well, the Andromeda galaxy, believe it or not, of billions of stars will merge with the Milky Way, our galaxy of our sun and all the billions of suns in our galaxy. We're 26,000 light years from, from the center of our galaxy, and we have billions of stars and planets in our galaxy. Well, astronomers have said and know that there will be a merging of the Andromeda galaxy, which is what we might say almost our soul sister galaxy to the Milky Way, and this is not going to necessarily mean that like there's catastrophe where all the planets and suns will will collide because there's a lot of space within galaxies that we don't think about even though there are billions of stars just like we we've learned in physics and so on that uh with atoms and and all kinds of molecules and so on there's an enormous amount of space in terms of who we really are in our cells in our physical and etheric bodies and our astral mental bodies and so on um we, we seem to have a physical form, and we do, but at the same time, there is an enormous amount of, shall we say, spatial reality within our existence. Same thing within the Milky Way galaxy and the Andromeda galaxy. So it turns out Kamala Harris, her alignment of the sun and moon, brings her moon, which is elevated uh, in the 11th house in her chart on the West Coast, but when she moves to Washington, D.C., as a senator and in terms of being vice president, potentially as president, her moon and her sedna are, are elevated directly above and become even more prominent. And that means the Andromeda galaxy and its billions of stars somehow have a connection with Kamala Harris. And Andromeda is based on more of a feminine archetype in mythology. So I see, I'm not saying the Milky Way has to be male, but it relative on the cosmic level of two galaxies uh, colliding or coming together only b in billions of years, in a sense, it's a kind of cosmic marriage. That the Andromeda galaxy, if we were to say, is more feminine in principle, the Milky Way more masculine. At some point in the long distance future, they will be emerging. And we now have a person who's the first woman, not just woman of color, but woman at all in a position as vice president, could become president of the United States. And somehow she has this connection astronomically. So, um, like, where do we stand in all this? Um, what do I want to present? 
Um, oh, there's a whole bunch of things. Um, again, this is going to be a list. This is only part one of several parts. So at any rate, I've given you the Mickey Mantle connection. I've given you, I have charts in front of me, believe it or not, Martin Luther King Jr.'s chart, Mickey Mantle's birth chart. Oh, before I forget, the other reason Mickey Mantle is significant, I hadn't even realized this. He's born October 20th, the same day as Kamala Harris. He's born in 1931. Mil uh, Willie Mays was born in May of 1931. Mickey Mantle was born October 20th of 31. They're both babies born in 1931, which was, by the way, the same year that Mikhail Gorbachev was born. I mentioned him in the last podcast about, uh, about Russia and the Soviet Union. And there was a lot. This is the beginning of the Great Depression, the first couple of years of the Great Depression. So... Um, I, I was I had wanted to share all about Mickey Mantle and my experience of the psychic energy go to Yankee Stadium like Field of Dreams, then realized the connection of Kamala Harris and her husband, both born in October '64, and then I suddenly looked at Mickey Mantle's chart and I thought, wait a minute, oh my God, he's born October 20th, so is Kamala Harris. What are the odds of that? I mean, they're born 33 years apart, and I even did a chart for the the game. There's an this is the other thing I didn't tell you, is that in retrospect, what happened was after the game, when Mickey Mantle was watching Barney Schultz uh, throw warm-up pitches, he, uh, there was a fellow uh, named Bill Scourin, who is the Yankee first baseman. And so Mickey Mantle and Bill Scourin are watching Barney Schultz warm up. And the, the aftermath of all this is what, what Mickey Mantle told to the press and other people was, as he was watching Barney Schultz throw pitches, uh, while he was waiting on deck, he said to Bill Scourin, I'm going to hit the first pitch that he throws for a home run. He basically predicted, he could. He just had this feeling himself that this is an amazing moment. Like, for instance, hitting a walk-off home run like Bill Mazeroski in the 1960 series at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh to beat the Yankees 10-9 in the seventh game of the series in 1960. That is considered the most extraordinary moment because it won the entire World Series. It was a bottom of the ninth inning. That was 10 to 9. That actually was a World Series that apparently the only time Mickey Mantle, you're not supposed to cry in baseball uh, at any given time. Well, the way that series went, and I've shared this before, it was such a devastating loss for a person like Mickey Mantle because they had won three games against the Pirates, 10 nothing, 12 nothing, and 16 to 3. And the four games they lose are like 2 to 1, 4 to 3, 6 to 5, and then 10 to 9. So, what happens in the bottom of the ninth inning with Bill Mazeroski hitting this home run that makes Bill Mazeroski so famous in 1960? Four years later, Mickey Mantle in the third game doesn't win the World Series, but at Yankee Stadium, it becomes his most treasured moment. So the fact that I, I had this memory and then I connected it up and I knew I wanted to share with everybody because it's the start of how I sort of tuned in psychically eight years, eight to nine years before I ever got into astrology. And now of all the dates of, of the year, Mickey Mantle is born the same day as uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, you can't make this up. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Also, the birth chart... The, the supposed time of Mickey Mantle, and nobody knows where it came from, 10 o'clock in the morning in a place called Spavanaugh, Oklahoma, gives sad, seven of Sagittarius, seven plus of Sagittarius rising, which is the rising degree for the United States birth chart that we have used for Welcome to Planet Earth for the last 40 plus years. Uh, Sagittarius rising. And, and Mickey Mantle is one of the great heroes in sports of the 1950s and 60s. 
if he was born at 10 in the morning and there are no other charts that show something else, his ascendant or rising degree is the same for the United States. So again, and then the Martin Luther King Jr. chart, uh, we just celebrated, of course, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and his chart is connected all over the place to my own chart and to the chart of the country. And also, um, Martin Luther King Jr., born January 15, 1929, which would be another great study. He, his Mars is exactly the United States Mars. And of course, his assassination, April 4, 1968, is announced by Robert Kennedy in Indianapolis. And then two months later, Robert Kennedy is assassinated. These charts, these cycles, these well-known people, whether they're sports, whether they're uh, preachers like a Martin Luther King Jr., who then becomes a historic figure for the country. Um, it's just extraordinary to see all these different connections. And I feel thankful and privileged that my own interest in sports and growing up in New York and reading the World Almanac, tuning into Walter Cronkite for news, listening to the radio, newspapers, all of these different things in the 50s and 60s allowed me to get into astrology in the 1970s. So what do we have here? Um, let's see how many things I can share that are more now back to the reality of astrology. Um, chaos. I've mentioned now a couple of months ago, there is a planet at the top of the United States birth chart next to Neptune, which is the most elevated planet. Once Neptune was discovered, September 23rd, 1846, I'm not going to get into everything about Neptune, but right next to Neptune in the U.S. chart is this planet beyond Pluto. It was discovered like about 20 years ago. It's called Chaos. And that that particular uh, planet um, is at about 23 of Virgo in the United States birth chart. However, now Chaos is in Gemini, in late Gemini. And where is this planet? And named after the primordial Chaos out of ancient Greek mythology. So whatever we, we don't know a whole lot about this planet. We know more about Sedna, we know more about Eris, and I shared more about those planets. There's not as much known um, metaphorically or symbolically about chaos. I mean, some astrologers are getting into it. But what I can tell you is that um, chaos now is squaring and has been squaring the U.S. chaos and Neptune over the last couple of years. Chaos is in Gemini, and just in the last several years, as our country has gotten so split apart, chaos has been crisscrossing over our, our um, Mars in Gemini, which is also, chaos has been on top of uh, Donald Trump's uh, sun in Gemini and opposite his moon. And that's the ascendant and the, uh, the rising and setting points for Kamala Harris, our 25 of Gemini and 25 Sagittarius, and she is born not only at a full moon, but where the nodes of the moon, which are the orbit of the moon, are rising and setting. So we've gone from Donald Trump, who's born at a total lunar eclipse and close to a full moon. Now we have the first woman of color and first woman ever as vice president, who's going to be, at least for the time being, potentially making uh, changing tie votes so that her vote will be the vote for various um, legislation that could pass, at least for a while, as long as the Democrats still have power until 2022, if they were to lose um, the Senate. At that point, we don't know what will happen with Joe Biden. Remember, he had two brain aneurysms like several decades ago, and he's 78 years old and he's getting up there. So we don't know how the stress of world situation. I wish him well, and I hope he does well. 
but we have to look at the different realities. So chaos, obviously, what is it? Chaos, confusion, nebulosity, things that are challenging and difficult. Of course, we've got the pandemic. We've got all these issues now with these variant um, uh, transmissions of different kinds of, of COVID coming up due to uh, mutations of the virus. And so we already have an, an enormous amount of anti-vaccination movements. We've still got the flu. It's still winter time. We get contradictory things coming out, even though I feel we really need to focus on the science and medicine and doctors. And I'm the son of a doctor and come from a doctor's family. So that's what I'm inclined toward. But we've got so much information that's coming out that's confusing. So again, the fact that chaos, this outer planet, which I had not that many astrologers are focused on it. I mean, some are now, if you use some of these outer planets, there are other ones, Varuna, there's um, Maki Maki, Haumea, um, Ixion. There's so many of these trans-Neptunian and trans-Pluto planets that are out there with larger cycles beyond Pluto cycles of 247 years. So this is another thing that I wanted to mention about um, chaos right now on Kamala Harris's ascendant but it's also close to donald trump's son and opposite his moon and he's now in a second impeachment and look at everything that happened with with january 6th and his exhorting the crowd and how the crowd behaved and became a mob scene so this this chaos energy is also very significant okay so what else there there are a number of notes that i have here um at the inauguration to jump into that um, and I shared this a little bit another time, so I don't know if I have the chart in front of me. I've got so many different charts, but I do remember it. And it's, it's oh yeah, I do have it over here. One of the things I wanted to say that I think is very powerful and why there's a fairly decent chance that Kamala Harris, due to some issue or another with uh, President Biden with his health or his vitality or whatever it may be, there are going to be there's going to be an increasingly focused energy on whether Kamala Harris might at some point during these four years, would she take over if stress or difficulties or health matters were to besiege a, a president? I mean, these are still concerns. We doesn't look like Joe Biden at the current time would would fall victim to stress or health issues, but you never know. What's going to happen? So um, it turns out, if you look at the inauguration chart, remember, an inauguration chart lasts for four years. You can listen to some of my other podcasts about all this. So I'm presenting the inauguration chart again. However, there is the more complex inauguration chart, aside from sun, moon, eight planets, four main asteroids, Chiron, the nodes. If you add these other asteroids and faraway planets, it turns out that Shariklo... I mentioned before, is the companion to Chiron. Chiron has a 50-year cycle. Chiron is the, is the male centaur connected to healing and wounds and rainbow bridges and twilight zones and shamans and mentors and so many other factors, as well as doing work with tarot and astrology and so on, is very connected to Chiron. Chiron's partner is named Shariklo, has a 62-year cycle. Well, it turns out that all this focus recently on Jupiter and Saturn coming together, first time in 20 years, first time in Aquarius since 1405, Jupiter and Saturn coming together in Aquarius. Of course, in the inauguration chart, we have the sun overhead in Aquarius on January 20th, 2021, 
Jupiter and Saturn are nearby. There's Pallas, Athena, looks like a diamond with a cross under it, Mercury. They're all in Aquarius. They're very, uh, anything that is directly above emphasizes career, profession, achievement, worldly stature, and so on. But hidden within this chart is this prominence of Shariklo, the feminine partner to Chiron. In other words, Shariklo and the sun are, are together within, they're the closest conjunction. The sun is in Aquarius, Shariklo is at 30 degrees of Capricorn, and they're together in the 10th house. So if we think of Kamala Harris being the second in command, the possibility of becoming the first president of the United States, we see embedded in the inauguration chart. Now remember, it's a void moon. I've shared before many times now in the last several podcasts about the, the problems of a void moon when the moon is laid in a particular sign. It's made all what we call its Ptolemaic aspects, conjunction, opposition, trine, sextile, squares. When the moon runs out of its main alignments and for so many minutes or hours, sometimes a long time, even a day or longer, the moon is considered void of course which means that things don't usually happen easily on a material level or as they're planned. There's a whole other philosophy about it. So it turns out that at the inauguration, the moon is in the last degree of Aries. It's in the 12th house. It's approaching Mars and Uranus, which formed a conjunction on the day of the inauguration. In other words, there's all this hostility. There's all of this volatility. There's all this confusion and nebulosity. As I just said, if we take um, Kamala Harris's chart, um, by the way, she also just had her nodes, the nodal cycle uh, just returned. That, that happens about every 18 and a half years. Kamala Harris has just turned 56. If you multiply 18 uh, three times, you get uh, plus 18 and a half, you get approximately her age of 56. So the nodes of the moon, which have a lot to do with fate and destiny, she just had them return as she was selected in August of 2020, which, by the way, was the 100th anniversary of women having the vote nationally. Even though women in certain states were able to vote, it wasn't a national policy until the 19th Amendment to the Constitution had its validation by three quarters of the states. That happened in August of, two, of, of 1920, and it turned out, you may remember, that the conventions, particularly the Democratic Convention, was supposed to be in Milwaukee, but they delayed it and it wasn't in person, it was it was virtual. And the Democrats met in, in the third week of August, exactly at the anniversary of the 100th uh, anniversary of, of women having the national right to vote. And lo and behold, uh, Joe Biden selects Kamala Harris at that point. So that's extremely significant there with his, our history. And, and then the Republicans had their convention a week later. So both of the conventions were happening. At one point, there were rumors that um, Donald Trump might, might toss out Mike Pence and put in Nikki Haley, who had been in uh, the former South, South Carolina Republican governor, who's oddly enough, part Indian. So on the other side of the equation, and she might run for president uh, in four years. And so I don't know exactly her parentage, but I know she's part Indian. So this is kind of an irony of all ironies that she was ambassador to the United Nations. She had been South Carolina governor. Apparently she's still a Trump supporter and she, she has background from India, just like Kamal Harris. Um, and she's born uh, January 20th on Inauguration Day. And I forget the year. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't want to say. But I know she's born. And that's why she has a, a, a shot at, at running in the Republican primary, assuming Donald Trump doesn't run again. She could be either a vice presidential candidate 
or a presidential candidate and might have an enormous power. There could be two women running for president in 2024. Nikki Haley was born on the with her son at the inauguration point. And by that point, Pluto, which will have returned for the United States several times, 2022 and almost in the fall of 2023, Pluto will then move on to zero Aquarius, which is the inauguration degree. And that's the sun in the chart for Nikki Haley. So the fact that Nikki Haley was almost going to be selected possibly by Donald Trump to replace Mike Pence, and she might want to run for president on her own and had been ambassador into the United Nations as well as a governor, then there's a kind of interesting scenario that could happen in a couple of years, particularly because the gov or, or, our politics is so divided. Again, this is all hypothetical issues, but we're talking about people born at significant periods of time. So in the inauguration chart, the sun is with Chiriklo, but also Ceres, the largest asteroid, is with Neptune. They're almost exactly together in Pisces in the 11th house of the inauguration chart. And that shows another strong focus on the feminine principle. So sun with Chiriklo, who's the female companion to Chiron, that brings up the the idea of rulership through um, uh, Kamala Harris being vice president, a heartbeat away from president, connected to healing and energies. Chiriklo was connected also very much to Pallas Athena, goddess of knowledge, goddess of wisdom, and of justice, and of immune, the human immune system, and also our defense department from a more national point of view of how we protect our country. I've shared before, Pallas Athena is very connected to Vesta, which has a lot to do with safety and security issues, home and land and diplomacy and secret organizations and sisterhoods and brotherhoods. Pallas Athena as an asteroid and Vesta as an asteroid work together in very, very strong ways, just as Ceres and Juno um, are more connected as two asteroids, um, two main asteroids there. But the fact that Ceres is with Neptune, this outer planet, together in a conjunction in the 11th house, Sun is with Chiriklo, but also Venus is in Capricorn in the 9th house of the inauguration chart, almost exactly trying a flowing relationship to the horizon. What I'm saying here is that there's a lot of reason to see that within the, the, the chart functioning here, and let's not forget Vesta, stationary, having just gone uh, retrograde at 21 of Virgo in the fifth house of this chart, in, in the relocation chart of Kamala Harris, Vesta is exactly overhead when she's born. So in, in uh, well, I shouldn't say relocation, in her natal chart and in the world map, the Vesta line is over Oakland. So in her natal chart, Vesta and Saturn, they're both prominent in her chart. Saturn's in late Aquarius and Kamala Harris in the next couple years, she will have our Saturn come back. It's not yet, but you will have a Saturn return. Let's see, I wrote it down here. I just have to find the chart. Well, it's it's here somewhere. It's in uh, February 2023. I'll, I'll give the more specific things in the future. Um, I might. All I know is I think it's in February of 2023. I'm almost 100% sure. One time Saturn will come back for Kamala Harris. But what's also interesting is that Jupiter is going to, in June of this year, this year, is going to make a conjunction to Vesta, which is elevated at the top of her chart. Hold on one second, folks. Some of my papers just fell here. So, uh, yeah, okay, let's, I've got the paper. Saturn returns for Kamala Harris at 28 of Aquarius. 
Um, she'll have her second Saturn return in her life, which happens when a person is 58, 59, 60, February 22nd, 2023. But in the meantime, Jupiter this year, um, Jupiter is going to get very close on June 20th. It will almost exactly be on her Vesta uh, overhead for her when she's born in Oakland, California, which is her midhaven, the power point of the top of her chart. The largest planet, Jupiter, will, will become the most elevated point in her chart. That can only happen every 12 years. And then it will turn out that the Jupiter will be most exact on her Vesta, aside from June of 2021, in the several days in January of next year of 2022, she will then have Jupiter exactly cross her Vesta and then be in her 10th house. So Kamala Harris is moving upward and onward. That's why I entitled this The Rise to Power of Kamala Harris. She's not only born when Saturn is elevated. And by the way, there's this is the danger side of having Saturn elevated. I've shared this before. But one of the traditions in astrology, if we go back to Napoleon's birth chart, he was born with Saturn above. Hitler was born with Saturn above. Nixon was born with Saturn above. Uh, JFK was born with Saturn above. Um, even Bill Clinton, he doesn't have Saturn exactly above, but it is elevated in 11th house. And of course, we know um, after two years under Bill Clinton, the Newt Gingrich uh, revolution came in and, and the House and the Senate went Republican. And there was a whole debacle with Hillary Clinton um, trying to uh, pass health care in the beginning of the Clinton administration. Then we had the Monica Lewinsky affair and the President Clinton lying. And this led to uh, Al Gore losing. Uh, there's no way that you can't see all that happened had uh, Bill Clinton not done some of the weird things he did with Monica Lewinsky and lied about all of that. Uh, Al Gore could have been president of the United States for eight years and we wouldn't have George Bush Jr. We might not have had 911. We might not have had other things. Now, there would be a whole series of other things. We can never prove this, but history is the way it is. So Kamala Harris is part of this energy at if she does, whether she does ascend to the presidency or not, whether on her own four years from now or eight years from now, she's able to hang in there and do okay and gets enough support and does well as vice president. People see her as a good leader and strong leader and so on. She is going to be in a career cycle, her second Saturn return with both Jupiter and Saturn going over the top of her chart. And she already has Saturn at the top of her chart or near the top of her chart when she's born, along with, um, she's got um, Vesta, she's got Chiron uh, and her moon and her Sedna, they're all up. And she has Jupiter in Taurus that's also visible, that's in Taurus in her chart. So there's a lot of celestial bodies that are, that are elevated when she's born. The fact that she has both Jupiter and Saturn elevated rather than below that's significant and because they're the largest planets and they've just come together in Aquarius, the sign of change. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up just in general about why, why has it been so hard for America to join the ranks of like, we had Golda Meir as president of Israel from a long time ago. We had uh, Indira Gandhi, prime minister of, of India. Uh, Corazon Aquino became president of the Philippines after her husband was murdered. We've had, we have uh, Angela Merkel, of course, you know, we have queens, we have princesses. That's a different story because it's part of royalty throughout history. So we understand women have been in positions of power because 
they've been a queen in a certain kingdom and so on, a monarchy. But we have so many countries that have had women prime ministers, particularly um, in Scandinavia and in Europe. And we've had different leaders, whether prime ministers or presidents in certain major countries. Why, why has the United States not been able to do this? Sun squaring Saturn uh, at the Declaration of Independence, Saturn elevated, the moon low in the chart, the moon in third house with Pallas Athena, which we didn't know until 1802, we discovered Pallas Athena, and then through uh, my great uh, female teacher, Eleanor Bach, who brought in the asteroids in 1973, we were able to then start tracking asteroids, and we know that the moon was not alone when the United States came into being, July 4th, 1776, is exactly with Pallas Athena. And there's Quayor, this, this creation god from a Native American tribe from greater Los Angeles. Uh, Quayor also having this lo uh, longer than Pluto cycle is also at the same degree. And again, this is where Mercury just stopped. Well, that's also the Saturn position of Kamala Harris within one degree. So Kamala Harris is not only has Saturn elevated, she will have her second Saturn return. As I said, it will be February 22nd, 2023. Now in her progressions, um, Kamala Harris, when she became, uh, in, when she went through the inauguration just a couple of weeks ago now, two weeks ago, she had exactly the moon and Jupiter exactly together in a conjunction in her progress chart. An extraordinary, unique combination, which shows that the progressions, as I've tried to share with you, if you don't study your progressions, and I've mentioned before, we still have our three-in-one special in the Astrology Shop Astrology Reports. Sky Within, designed by Stephen Forrest, Great Natal Report, One Year Skylog Report, your transits and your secondary progressions for a whole year, and a numerology report that focuses particularly uh, this year and next year. It's on special, $89.99 instead of $134. You can't go wrong. If you haven't ordered it, please look into doing that because that's worth your while. These, the two reports, Skylog and Sky Within, that give you your natal chart, all the basics of that, and then also your transits and secondary progressions, designed by Stephen Forrest, used to write for Welcome to Planet Earth, developed his own amazing career uh, along with his wife, Jody, and produced many different books. So those reports are two of the best written, if not the best written reports that we have available, again, in the astrology report area of astrology shop at Great Bear Enterprises. You should get that uh, series of three-in-one to help you for 2021 and remind your friends. The more people get into all these, as well as numerology, the more you're tuning into all of your major cycles. So Kamala Harris, there is danger here because our country is so divided and we've never had a woman in this position of power. As I said earlier, married to a Jewish person, there's still a lot of people who are so anti-Semitic in the country. You've got Joe Biden, who's Catholic. Um, that's also not necessarily the most favorable thing to a lot of people who, for whatever reason, don't want somebody who's Catholic to be president. So we've had a lot of judgment and a lot of um, criticism, whatever the word you want to use, in our country, people who want their leaders and they don't want people who might be Jewish or Catholic and so on. It's part of the whole history of the, the Ku Klux Klan and different organizations that look askance at people who are, have those religious beliefs. It's part of our, our nation. It's just something to be aware of. So I think part of the problem of 
why it took so long for a woman to ever become a vice president. Again, as I said, we had uh, Geraldine Ferraro running as vice president with Walter Mondale in 84. Of course, they lost very, very badly. Sarah Palin and John McCain wound up losing, I think it was almost by 10 million votes and a fairly steep electoral loss back in uh, 2008. So now um, where so many people thought Hillary Clinton would just, you know, a cakewalk, she lost very badly because she wasn't a very good campaigner. And there were many other reasons for her loss. And she didn't focus particularly in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, which Joe Biden and Kamala Harris won back with a lot of hard work over the last four years. So part of the, re part of the challenge is that the moon and Pallas Athena and um, Quay are, are low in the chart. Now, lowness in a chart doesn't necessarily mean badness or negativity, but because of the nature of the United States, uh, kind of the male chauvinist energies, who was given, in other words, we didn't have minorities being able to vote. The initial founding fathers were focused. I mean, we, we know that, I guess, the first six out of seven presidents were slave owners. And we, you know, we just know that the way that the, the country was organized with the Constitution, the Bill of Rights didn't come in until a couple of years later, that as much as we want to be thinking uh, these wonderful things about our Constitution, democracy, and so on, the whole, the whole history of the country is so checkered, uh, and imperialism and colonialism uh, by the United States as well as Western powers, whether it be in the Middle East and Africa, and I studied this when I was in school, so read dozens and dozens and hundreds of books about the true nature of what the United States has done over the course of time. Now, does that mean relative to the Soviet Union or authoritarian Russia or the way China behaves or the way Syria is or the way the Philippines is or Turkey or these other authoritarian leaders and countries? I mean, relative to these particular countries, we still, for the most part, my belief system is we're still um, in terms of the hope of the world, if we can get our act together and if we can avoid our own civil war of the next couple of years with Neptune opposing our Neptune and squaring our Mars and Pluto returning for the first time ever three times and Pluto hitting the, the zero Aquarius degree. Uh, we also know that without my giving specific dates, Kamala Harris will have both Pluto and Uranus make stations in her progress chart. Her secondary progressions are incredibly profound over the next couple of years. So I wanted to plant also that seed in this part one. I'm trying to fill, give you as many facts about Kamala Harris as possible. By the way, not only will Kamala Harris have her Saturn return in February of 2023, right pretty much during the time that Pluto is coming back, testing us as a nation of our dying and being reborn, our catharsis, uh, politically, emotionally, culturally, ethnically, and so on. Who knows where we're going the next couple of years? I mean, it's not just the pandemic. We still have the Black Lives Matter movement. We have the Me Too movement. We have this the whole precarious split in the Senate. And we don't know what's going to happen in 2022 midterms. Bernie Sanders has already warned the Democrats, hey, we could easily lose the Senate and the House. And that's the direction that, that the whole thing is going in. I mean, just barely the Senate is Democrat, only because of those two uh, Senate, Senate seats in Georgia. And again, the other day, uh, last week, Patrick Leahy, who's, gonna, who's the president pro tempore of the Senate, who's, I guess, the third or, third or fourth person to be in line to be president, is 85 years old, and then he had to be rushed to the hospital. And he's a Democratic senator, but if something were to happen to him, he couldn't serve. 
of it would be the Republican governor of uh, of his state of I guess he's he's from Vermont, and there, it's a Republican governor, and that person could appoint a Republican senator. It's not impossible, and then Democrats would no longer have the advantage in in the Senate. So again, it, this could happen in it with any other Democrat. If God forbid somebody gets sick or they can't serve or they were to die and they're a Democratic senator of any age and there's a Republican governor, that Republican government governor between now and 2022 before the midterms could appoint a Republican to that seat and suddenly Mitch McConnell would, would once again be the majority leader. That's how tenuous this whole thing is. So that, that brings up again my point about We've got Kamala Harris with her incredible chart, being born at a full moon, having the nodes of the moon rising and setting, having just had the nodes return, having this outer slow-moving planet called chaos on her horizon. Uh, the fact that Donald Trump is about to be impeached, well, he went through a second impeachment, but he'll be on trial. And even though the odds are he probably will not be convicted there, if he was convicted, there's the possibility, well, you have to get 17 at least 17 Republican senators go along with the Democrats, and that's not likely, as we've heard for, for the last couple of weeks. Nevertheless, a lot of dirty laundry is going to come out about with videotape and so on about what Donald Trump said on January 6th, what Giuliani said, and whether or not it was uh, a, a kind of thing that he should definitely be convicted so that he could never run again. These are all part of the Constitution. Now, of course, a lot of the Republican senators are saying, no, it's not constitutional. He's no longer president. But that doesn't hold water. And if you really think it through and what's happened in the history of the country, um, you just have to look at it logically. And so many different um, great constitutional folks and people say, no, a, a person who's left the presidency can still be uh, convicted. Um, so at any rate, you can go study that. A couple of things about the world map, because you look at the world map, and if you're not familiar, this is the world map for Kamala Harris. It's what we call her astrocartography or relocation lines. Let me just give you a preview here, because like with any president, I've been studying Donald Trump's uh, lines. See, we weren't able to do this all that well with Ronald Reagan because we don't know his time of birth. Bill Clinton's time of birth was approximate. Had Hillary Clinton won, we didn't know whether she was born at 8, I think it was 8.30 or 8 something in the morning or at night. And so we never got validation of that. If Mike Pence had become president somehow, unless we had his birth time, we wouldn't be able to chart what we call his astrocartography. Now we do have, again, if you're interested, because I've shared before, states of the union have, uh, have charts for when each state enters the union. You could be living in a state that is not all that helpful for your personal chart and your cycles. Or... You might be living in a really good state, but if you don't study those kind of things, you'll never know. So when I do, I do have five different kinds of consultations. And if you decide you want to do a consultation, they're available in the astrology shop. And it can be study. Uh, what I wanted to say was we also have five uh, relocation reports. If you know cities and areas in, uh, in different time zone in the United States or around the world where you'd like to go on a dream vacation at some point, or doing business in another city or in another state or moving potentially somewhere else. You can get five of these relocation reports. I think it's $60. It's a good um, kind of thing if you're interested in that. So a couple of things just, again, we'll get into this in the future, particularly when Kamala Harris goes visiting at some point. I mean, maybe it won't happen right now with the pandemic. 
more things will happen virtually. But at some point in the future, she'll go to different meetings, whether in Berlin or in Tokyo or in Rio de Janeiro, wherever there are meetings. And then we'll, we'll get a sense of whether she goes to different kind of summits or different kind of conventions, whether about climate or uh, power or money or um, pandemics and so on. So, but even if she doesn't actually travel to these places, just the fact that her planetary lines are strong in these areas. So let me just give you a couple of hints here. And again, I'm only gonna make suggestions. I'm not gonna give you a full analysis. But in that map, when you fine tune everything, one of the most dangerous things, I mean, if she becomes president from, I'm not saying she will make mistakes, maybe she will. I mean, no president is infallible, but, but the point is she's gonna be tested by circumstances and situations and uh, armed revolts. We, we still have a battle going on between Saudi Arabia and Yemen, um, all the different issues in Syria, um, Israel and Iran always on the edge, Lebanon, the Korean Peninsula and so on. So it turns out um, if we relocate Kamala Harris, she has Neptune rising through Saudi Arabia and Iran and the Eastern African area goes all the way through Johannesburg and down into Africa. So Neptune rising and she's got Mars overhead through Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Saturn below through Iran, Vesta also below in that area and Jupiter setting through Saudi Arabia and Iran. She's got a whole bunch of planets going through what we call the Persian Gulf area, Iran, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, Eastern Africa, as I said, her sun, moon, and Mercury energies, her sun rising, her moon setting, and um, her Mercury rising, they're going through the areas of Kiev and Moscow uh, and, and uh, Eastern Turkey, as well as Egypt and Central Africa. That's another dangerous area. Another big thing, which is pretty scary to realize is just as she has Neptune, Neptune can represent compassion, it can represent empathy, it can represent idealism and devotion, it can represent um, psychic sensitivity and attunement, So, and it can represent universal love. So there's a lot of healing energy that could happen uh, in her work in the Middle East if somehow the Neptune principle, which she has in Scorpio, works well. But her Neptune is exactly overhead through North and South Korea. I mean, that's questionable with Kim Jong-un. Uh, we don't know his birth time or even his birth year, but we know Kamala Harris's uh, birth information. So this map is very, very powerful. So that's a dangerous area. She's got um, Jupiter uh, under the earth through uh, Japan. That might be helpful there, but Neptune overhead through North and South Korea. I mean, she could get easily tested um, with all of their issues with nuclear weapons and their connect, uh, North Korea's connection to Russia and, and China. She's got the Sun and Mercury. Um, they are overhead and the moon is below for her in the area around Hong Kong and central China. And so that brings up all kinds of issues there. Uh, and the, the Neptune that she has overhead is not that far from Taiwan. Uh, where there's a lot of issues in the South China Sea. So Sun, Mercury up, Moon uh, below, Neptune overhead, Jupiter uh, below, all through the Southeast Asian and China, North Korea, Korean area, Taiwan, Japan, and so on. It's interesting that in where her mom comes from, 
she's got a very strong area. I mean, for the most part, Venus and Pallas Athena um, are both very, very prominent in her area of in India. Now, there, she has Uranus overhead through Karachi, Pakistan. That's a danger spot for her. Um, also, as I said before, she has Mars overhead through Riyadh, um, Saudi Arabia, and through parts of Iran, uh, into going up north, uh, wet, uh, excuse me, east of Moscow. Her sun and moon are uh, under the earth and above. Her moon is above, as I said, with Sedna through the east coast, which a little bit east of Washington, D.C., so in the northeast. She's got the moon up with Sedna and the sun below. Um, she also, as I said before, has Vesta exactly overhead along the, the west coast, and Vesta is safety and security, home and hearth, in, insurance, investment. It's part of the reason she became both district attorney and attorney general of California. So I think she plays a fairly prominent role in a good way for her rise to power from the west coast of the United States. And this is where she has obviously a lot of support when she was running for president and had her rally in Oakland, even though it wasn't enough. Her Saturn is overhead just off the west coast of the United States. So when you look at her chart and you see Saturn in Aquarius and you see Vesta above, in her planetary lines, they're overhead through British Columbia and um, the Northwest, and the Vesta is overhead right through Northern California and her birthplace. Saturn's overhead overhead through for her through British Columbia and off the the west coast of Washington, Oregon, and California, which is just interesting in and of itself, only because of the Ring of Fire, earthquakes, things like that. I mean, I'm not predicting that that has to be negative and bad but um, it's just something that's really interesting the other thing is that her Pluto, her pluto uranus venus lines you'll see this kind of very thick vertical lines running through uh, arizona and utah uh eastern uh, excuse me western wyoming central montana and going up through edmonton um canada and going down into mexico and along this, she also has Ceres setting in her chart. Let's make sure that that's, yeah, Ceres setting in Capricorn um, through that area. Um, so there's an enormous focus with her in the Rocky Mountain states as well. And we're looking at the United States. She doesn't have energy so much in the central part of the country, but she does have a lot on the West Coast, the Rocky Mountains areas, and then east of Washington, D.C., particularly in the Northeast. And those Northeast uh, energies also run down through Venezuela, which has, of course, big issues with um, there could be uh, they have runaway inflation there between Caracas and so on. And then um, her her moon above with Sedna and her sun and Mercury below are also going through Santiago, Chile and La Paz, Bolivia, and not far from Lima, Peru and Bogota, Colombia. And that brings up the whole cartel and all these issues with drugs and other things that are going on there. The, the series energy that she has setting, though, um, does go through uh, Mexico. So that's important and through Mexico City. So I don't want to say that that's unimportant, that that can be very important. We'll eventually take more of a look at specific things. For instance, she has a lot of energies going through Australia, as an example. But uh, at this particular point, uh, who knows what that might might indicate. Um, but there's a lot of opportunities and dangers through all these particular areas. 
Now let me just take a look. I've shared a lot of things. There are a couple other things I definitely want to make sure I get to. And we've gone about two hours, which is not too bad because I've been able to share the sports issues, what happened in 1963 and 64. So let me take a look at some of these other chart energies um, because I just want to get in as much as I can. Okay, in her birth chart, um, she does have Mars opposite Saturn. It's seven degrees or, but it is uh, something that we might have to be concerned about. Um, again, depending on where those lines of energies, as I said, reincarnation, uh, uh, in terms of re uh, locality-wise, the fact that she is Mars overhead th through Riyadh and through Saudi Arabia and that whole area, that seems like if definitely a tense area, the whole Middle East. And of course, the United States itself, um, as my colleague Wayne Moody has shared many years ago on Welcome Planet Earth, we have a blind spot in the Persian Gulf because the United States Pluto winds up being in a overhead through the Persian Gulf. So this is part of the thing. You look at the U.S. birth chart. We look at the timing of different planets around the planet. And then we, we factor in kind of superimposing over the U.S. chart and the challenging areas that we have when we project the U.S. Uh, sun, moon, Pluto, different energies, Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, Jupiter around the planet. We have a president, a potential president in Kamala Harris down the road if she becomes president. Then we have her exact birth chart and we can pinpoint where these dangers are. And then when we see new moons and full moons and eclipses and major planet alignments that could trigger her chart, we can see whether something in advance might be dangerous. And if we did have what I've shared before, a B-A-R-R, -R, all capitals, a Bureau of Astrological Research and uh, revelation, uh, which we should have, and every country in the world um, should have this in our State Department, Homeland Security Department, uh, Pentagon, there should be a division of astrologers who can work with all of our software and um, balance views about looking at world leaders and looking at new moons and full moons, being able to scope out in advance danger areas so that we don't get involved with hot wars and all kinds of uh, catastrophes, there's ways to avoid that by using astrology for the good uh, on a higher level, as I'm sharing here at this particular time. Uh, before I forget, I didn't want to uh, just mention about this total solar eclipse and not say anything about it. We will get into this down the road. I, I just wanted you to know that both Joe Biden, we know in Joe Biden's chart, he has a very prominent Chiron. All his as I've shared before, when his wife died at his Saturn return, he was 29, his first wife and daughter died in a terrible car accident. He had to raise his boys by himself. He became a senator. Then he met Jill, married her. Then his son, Bo Biden, who was very close as an attorney. He was attorney general of uh, Delaware. And that's how Kamala Harris and the Bidens became close because they were both attorney generals and they did a lot of work together. You can hear more about that and see more about that on the CNN program, Kamala Harris, um, Making History. It's a one-hour show. So I do recommend that if you can find that. They, they have broadcast it a couple of times. And you'll see how Kamala Harris develops as Attorney General of California. Now, again, there's controversy with what she did over the course of time, just like anybody else in politics. She's not always going to make 100% right decisions, but She's pretty much, you know, on target with most of the things I've I've seen her do. And again, it's not as if um, 
we don't know what's going to happen as the first woman president. We one of the big challenges, just like Barack Obama had as the first black white president, first minority president. Um, I, I, it always bothers me when people will just say he's the first black president. Well, his mother was white. He was closer to his white grandparents than his father. So because he looks dark, we say he's the first black president. So the same thing again with Kamala Harris. She's got Indian heritage from her mother and Jamaican heritage from her father, which is often considered having Indian heritage. Well, what about the Jamaican heritage? I mean, that's also part of it there. So we don't, we tend to do things that I think are unfortunate because again, when you look at uh, President Obama, um, there in his genetic structure, there is the white part of his family, whatever that ancestral line is. And he was very close to his white grandmother and grandfather. So the thing is, is that when he comes in, when, when Barack Obama, as before he's even president, was at Harvard, the thing is, he has, he's got a moon in Gemini, Barack Obama, and of course, son in Leo. But the thing is, when he comes into presidency and when he was working at Harvard, he would both want to do things in a community kind of thing with fundraising and rolling up his sleeves and community organizing at the same time that he'd be a leader of the, um, the Harvard Law Review. And when he comes into the presidency, he wants to work with Republicans. The, the whole focus in the Barack Obama years, which is also Joe Biden, is we're not red states, blue states with the United States of America, but look where we are now because of the backlash against Barack Obama and the possibility of a Hillary Clinton. Now we've got Kamala Harris, who could become the first woman president. We've got these issues about not just men, but there's certain women in the country too, don't want a woman as president or because of political beliefs, whatever it is, or we've got 75 million people who voted for, for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. And there's plenty of people who don't vote. There's at least 100 million or almost 100 million people who haven't voted. We, that could be another 50, uh, another 50 million people who are, going, are against um, Kamala Harris or don't want her to succeed or don't want her to be uh, president of the United States and would find that not to be a good thing. Of course, there are tens of millions of Americans and particularly young girls who would love that. By the way, on November 7th, four days after the election, we had the situation where that's when Pennsylvania was declared for Biden and Harris, and it put them over the top in terms of the electoral vote. That was the day when the, the, the symbol for the sun from my, uh, my mentor, Dane Rudger, wrote an astrological mandala where we have 360 individual degrees of the zodiac and, and there are different meanings. The sun on that day in Scorpio, the symbol was a girl's face breaking into a smile. And if you go back to that Saturday, November 7th, that's when there literally was dancing in the streets, even during the pandemic, that that Biden and Harris had won. Of course, from the side of the left or the Democrats, they were ecstatic that they had defeated, defeated Trump and uh, Pence, even though, of course, we know that Trump kept uh, denying this for the last several months, leading to this whole conflagration an insurrection on January 6th, now leading to the second impeachment. But on November 7th, on that particular day, uh, I remember doing a chart for the exact time on TV that the different stations said, and now Pennsylvania has officially gone into the Biden-Harris camp. That gave them over 273 electoral votes. 
uh, or over 270. Uh, I think at that point, you know, Georgia and uh, Arizona was still not 100% declared, although they would be, and that's how eventually Biden and Harris got 303 votes, which oddly enough was the same number of, of electoral votes, or it was 306, whatever the number was, the same votes that when Trump got them, he said it was a landslide against Hillary Clinton. It was the same exact reversal, which again, you can't make this up. What, what are the odds that we'd have a four years later, the Democrats would have the same number of electoral votes that, that Trump and Pence had four years earlier and vice versa. So it, on that day, I just remember people literally in Philadelphia and Washington and Atlanta and so many different cities that were that are primarily Democratic strongholds we're, we're, we're dancing. We're dancing in the street, playing music. Hey, liberation. We've overthrown Trump and Pence. You know, we're going to have a new administration. Of course, we didn't know how contentious it was going to be with all these different lawsuits and things thrown out by, by the right wing to try and go to the Supreme Court and going to state legislatures and so on. So uh, the, I was talking about the fact that there's uh, Mars opposite uh, Saturn in Kamala Harris's chart, it's not exact, it's within seven degrees, but over in the Middle East, it's its pretty intense there uh, with the Neptune rising and Mars above and Saturn and Vesta below and Jupiter setting. There's just so many different things, planets in the Middle East. And as I said before, going over the careers which were Neptune's overhead um, for Kamala Harris, particularly if she becomes president of the United States. Now, what about this total solar eclipse? Joe Biden has a very strong Chiron conjunct his North Node. It's elevated. It's part of this whole idea of he's acquainted very much with grief. Chiron has so much to do with wounds, psychic wounds, emotional wounds. He has so many of them. So he, particularly during this time with the pandemic and all the troubles and with the economy, he's playing a role as a healer, kind of a healer in chief. At least that's his goal. That's his energy field. That's why he's in the presidency where we never thought he would ever do it again or that he'd ever run or win, suddenly at age 78 as a kind of grandfatherly figure, certainly as a father figure to Kamala Harris, who again was very close to Joe, uh, Bo Biden, who lost his life uh, back, I think it was 2014, 2015, which was the main reason at that point that Joe Biden didn't run in 2016 and why Hillary ran and lost. And maybe if Joe Biden had run, he, he might have beaten Donald Trump at that point, but it didn't happen. So we'll never know. So Joe Biden has Chiron elevated, just like Kamala Harris, in different signs. Joe Biden has his node, a north node, the fate destiny point with his Chiron. So he's playing this healing role to heal the wounds of the country during the pandemic. And with whatever is going to happen this year with all these mutations and so on, trying to roll out vaccinations and change the course of what happened in 2020 and do a much better job, and we'll see where that goes. The reason I'm bringing this up, though, is Kamala Harris has an elevated Chiron at the middle of Pisces. It's in her 10th house, and it's exactly where our secondary progress son, Pallas, Athena, and Sedna have all grouped together in a triple conjunction in the secondary progress chart for the United States. And this is when I started the podcast, the first 17 of them in 2019, during the Mueller uh, report and the beginnings of that impeachment era, Palace Athena, justice, knowledge, wisdom, um, the need to protect ourselves from hacking and uh, of our water systems, our nuclear systems, and look at what happened again with um, solar winds in Texas, one of these 
high-tech organizations where the, the Russians got into that. And we'll never know, unfortunately, the whole truth there because they, we're not going to, through our Homeland Security Department, all these other places that were hacked, they're not going to just give us a total report, just like the same thing with uh, UFOs or JFK. So we know that something terrible happened where the Russians, just like in 2016, have gotten into our systems and used a high-tech organization to infiltrate computers within Homeland Security, the Commerce Department, the Treasury Department, God knows where else. Um, so we, we have the tip of the iceberg there. So that's going on there. And that's connected again back to Vesta, the fact that Vesta, representing safety and security, was stationary and retrograde at the inauguration. Um, almost exactly within one sixtieth of a degree squaring the United States Mars, the, the transing Vesta and Virgo, and within a degree of our uh, Neptune near the top of our chart. By the way, one thing I keep forgetting to do or add is Vesta and Neptune are opposing each other. And finally, I'm going to get to this. Uh, this is not, this is something that only happens every couple of years. On December 20th of 2020, just about six days after the December 14th total solar eclipse, when we had the electors all meeting, and that was one of the days that, that Trump and his associates were trying to um, void the, the win uh, by the electors in the various state capitals, and it didn't work. That was the day of a total solar eclipse, December 14th. Well, six days later, Vesta in Virgo, still going direct, um, formed an opposition to Neptune from 18 plus of Virgo to 18 plus Pisces. But now, because it's uh, doing this on February 2nd, on February 9th, okay, next Tuesday, let's see, next Tuesday, we're going to have the second of these Vesta-Neptune oppositions. Vesta moving retrograde is at 19 plus a Virgo, and Neptune is at 19 plus a Pisces. And then on July 2nd, within two days of our, of our birthday, we're going to have the third Vesta-Neptune opposition, um, 23 Virgo to 23 Pisces. Now, the next time uh, Vesta will be conjunct Neptune, that'll be January 23rd, 2023. That'll be in Pisces. And then in October of 2024, one month before that election, we're going to have another one of these Vesta-Neptune oppositions, 27 Virgo, 27 of Pisces. So the reason I'm bringing this up is Vesta, which has a lot to do with safety and security of the country, with insurance coverages, people losing insurance uh, left and right. Uh, because they don't have the money to pay for different insurance, health insurance, home insurance, uh, property insurance, and so on, losing their homes, uh, investment. Um, we, we, we're not getting the federal government by long shot to invest in the states, police departments, fire departments, health facilities, and so on. This is part of the problem. Remember Mitch McConnell last year was saying, let them go bankrupt. I mean, again, this is the person who was in charge of the Senate from the Republican side. We need the federal government. That's why there's this $1.9 trillion uh, bill that the Democrats are attempting to pass, whether it's to give $1,400 more to everyone earning less than $150,000 a year, more money into the pockets of people to get them through some of this time. And that's not nearly enough. By the way, Kamala Harris is on record. And of course, for conservatives, this is anathema, wanted to give... Um, just like one of the other Democrats running, a progressive, um, wanted to give $2,000 a month to people. And this has gone on in Europe, in different countries, in Germany, France, different countries, which are more um, 
where they have more of a socialistic, not negative, not extreme, not communist, but a different way of working with things, kind of what Bernie Sanders is always touting, um, which is which is a doable thing for our country, but we're not going to shift because we're such a capitalist country, and with our conservative, we're a long ways uh, from from doing things that are more equitable, balancing things out so that the one percent we don't have uh, uh, the plutocracy that we're moving toward of government by the wealthy and the corrupt. So Vesta opposite Neptune, not an in easy pattern. We had it on December twentieth. It's going to happen on February 9th. It's where Vesta is in Virgo and Neptune is in Pisces. While on a positive level, Neptune can have a lot to do with soulfulness and psychic sensitivity, our creative imaginations, our idealism, uh, compassion, empathy, universal love. When it's negative, it can represent chaos, confusion, nebulosity, not seeing things clearly. And also fanaticism is part of the reason why we have this whole history of violence in the country and the civil war and this new potential civil war, because it has to do with Mars and Neptune in a square pattern in the U.S. chart. Once we discovered Uranus, we saw that Uranus and Mars are both in Gemini in the seventh house of America's birth chart. So I've already shared about this before, and during a previous podcast, not the last one, but the one before, I read about the seven rays and the connections in the U.S. chart, particularly to Uranus ruling the seventh ray and Neptune and Mars ruling the sixth ray, and that we're in this battle in the Piscean Age and the Aquarian Age, where our Piscean Age is connected very much to Mars, Neptune, the sixth ray of idealism, devotion, religion, and its potential fanaticism. But the Aquarian Age that we're moving into, which is a transition, takes really hundreds of years, or certainly dozens of years. Um, that Aquarian Age is, is connected more to Uranus and this, what's called the seventh ray of ceremonial order. Uh, magic and synthesis and so we're moving much more into that Aquarian vibration again it's interesting that Joe Biden has uh, Pallas and Vesta together in his chart in Aquarius in a conjunction in his third house of communication that is in a trine relationship to his Saturn in Gemini and also uh, in a wide when in a wide grand trine to his Neptune so he has uh, strong Aquarian energies, and Kamala Harris has her Saturn in Aquarius, and again is moving into her career cycle. So for the last couple of podcasts, I've wanted to mention Vesta opposing Neptune in the sky. These are is what we call transits, transit to transits. The concern I have is that our, our, our safety and security in our government and the things that happen with hacking, with solar winds and so on, could get undermined. And this is amazing that the impeachment trial is scheduled to begin on February 9th. And exactly on that day is the second of three Vesta-Neptune oppositions. And again, Vesta, which was so prominent being stationary and going retrograde at the inauguration, being one sixtieth of one minute of arc, not a degree, one minute of arc of squaring our, our national Mars and Gemini and being with one degree of our Neptune. As I said before, Vesta was retrograde and at the bottom of the chart for the inauguration of Donald Trump and Mike Pence, January 20th, 2017. When I looked at comparisons of the inauguration chart going back to March 4th, 1865, Lincoln's second inauguration, there was also a very prominent and difficult Vesta energy at that particular point. So Vesta shows up a whole lot. And I, and I shared that I did th those podcasts 
a while back about the Vesta covenant, where our Vesta is at 19 plus a Taurus, and Hitler's Vesta is 19 plus a Taurus, and the Third Reich's um, Vesta was also at that place in Taurus, when, when the Third Reich came into being uh, at the end of January of 1933, and I shared before the rise of Franklin Roosevelt in March of 1933, and Hitler gaining power in 1933, they both had 12-year cycles, which was basically a Jupiter cycle, and they died within two weeks of each other in April of 1945. So again, we find these historical connections of world leaders, full moons, new moons, in this case, Vesta opposing Neptune. What are the odds that we'd have what could be a very challenging opposition of an asteroid having to do with safety and security, as well as hidden, uh, hidden organizations, CIA, FBI. I mean, there's going to be a lot of reports at this impeachment trial in the Senate that's going to show video evidence of what was happening. And we already know that the FBI, which is still under, by the way, Christopher Ray, to Joe, uh, Joe Biden's credit, he's keeping Christopher Ray. Uh, FBI directors are supposed to have a 10-year term. Of course, um, President Trump, uh, Jim Comey had been already, I believe, in a 10-year cycle, and he had he had gotten the, the job again. So he, he it was the second time for him as FBI agent, but being fired by tweet by Donald Trump. Then Christopher Wray, who's, who was assigned to it as a Republican, Joe Biden is continuing with Christopher Wray. He's, he didn't he didn't kick him out, and it looked. I mean, hopefully he'll he'll continue with him. I think that Christopher Ray, from my understanding, has done it. He's soft spoken. He seems like he has a lot of support of the FBI. And believe me, we need a good FBI after all the years of Herbert Hoover. You know, being in that position for I think it was fifty years. I mean, it was enormous number of decades under one person. So there has been reformation of the FBI, State Department, Pentagons. I mean, there are thousands of these people, tens of thousands in these organizations. And this is what has given rise to the conspiracies of the deep state and so on. Of course, we have a deep state. You can't just have a new election and hire 100,000 new people to work in the State Department. You have to have people who have experience. Now, are some people dangerous or have views that are negative? Sure. But when you lump everybody together and say, oh, there's a deep state conspiracy in the CIA, the FBI, the Pentagon, the State Department, when you when you use that broad brushstroke and you don't have the evidence, sure, there are negative individuals in every single department of government. But to me, having studied this for 50 plus years, having a reasonably balanced, logical view of things, and I, I don't know all the facts, of course, like anybody else, nobody has all the facts, but there is reason, there's logic, and these are things that are important, particularly knowing astrology and knowing these cycles that give us a mathematical statement. Here I am telling anyone who would listen, on February 9th, we have the second of three Vesta-Neptune oppositions, which could be good if we know what the heck we're doing about safety, security, if we're compassionate, if we're empathic, if we're looking at things with higher ideal, uh, ideals, if we're focused on goodwill, and sort of coming into reason and working together than a Vesta-Neptune opposition, which is kind of like a full moon. It's two celestial bodies being opposite, just like the full moon is every month. And every month when we have a full moon 13 times a year can be a time of illumination, which is why thousands and thousands of groups and individuals and millions of people now around the world, 
and every full moon are trying to bring through divine energy for the good, for healing humanity, helping um, the animal kingdom, the, the, the plant vegetable kingdom, the, the mineral kingdoms, all these different realms of Mother Earth and Mother Nature who need our stewardship and so that we don't destroy the planet. And then the third Vesta opposite Neptune happens within shouting distance within just 48 hours of our national solar return, uh, July 4th, uh, 2021. And usually solar returns will happen the day before. So one of the archetypes of our birthday chart as a country for energizing our national birthday in 2021 and solar return energies, uh, again, we have a solar return report. You can order that um, from our astrology shop, astrology reports. They go from your birthday of one year to the to the for 12 months. That's another report. Sometimes people order them. A lot of times people forget about it, but they can be very helpful to give you interpretations and analysis of what happens at your birthday, which runs for a year ahead. So the country was going to have Vesta opposite Neptune within that solar return birthday chart. Again, showing the challenge of can we handle this illumination of keeping our country safe and secure through world goodwill and national goodwill and empathy and compassion or do we split apart because every opposition can be a lunacy and a splitting apart or it can be a coming together and an enlightenment so finally got to share more about vesta and neptune which i want to do so i think what i want to do here is end on the total solar eclipse there's a lot of other things going on in kama harris's birth chart as i said her progressions are very powerful Pluto and Uranus in the next couple of years while she's vice president or if something happens where Joe Biden either voluntarily or for some other reason is no longer capable of doing the presidency and we get Kamala Harris in there as she's approaching her second Saturn uh, return cycle and Saturn being elevated in her chart along with Jupiter. So she is in a real powerful cycle, which is both a great opportunity for the for a first woman to become president but then being tested um, because she is born with Saturn above. And we've had people, Napoleon, Hitler, JFK, Nixon, Bill Clinton, other world leaders who have Saturn up. The traditional idea is the person has a great rise but could suffer a great fall. And we certainly saw that with Nixon, uh, absolutely. With JFK, of course, he was murdered, so we don't know what would have happened in his presidency. But we know that following his assassination, Lyndon Johnson coming in and skyrocketing the number of troops over those several years, which leads Lyndon Johnson to not run again and being a broken president because of thinking that we, we could win that war. And again, it took several years after that terrible death and terrible injuries to our country. And uh, at this point, I mean, Vietnam is one country again after all of that. Uh, they, they had been split, North Vietnam and South Vietnam, and now they're one country. Now, we don't hear a lot of reports in our country because of the, the Twitterings of Donald Trump the last couple of years, but one can investigate, you know, what is going on now with Vietnam all these years later? Um, so that would be something to tune into and learn more about as we have more reasonable news and get more information. I think it, it I think it's dangerous on one level to eliminate people having Twitter accounts, whether it be the president of the United States or the pillow guy or different people and um, have all this power. I do agree that I think that's a wrong thing, whether for a Zuckerberg or whoever, the people in charge of um, 
Jack Dorsey with Twitter. There's too much power, and for whatever reason, Jack Dorsey, Zuckerberg, other people, they go in front of uh, the Congress, and the Congress gives them a slap on the wrist. These organizations are extremely powerful with all these algorithms and things, a kind of big brother AI kind of thing. And it's very scary to see, um, to me, the 24-7 information. And again, how um, whether we can be tracked, whether it's our own organizations like the NSA or other countries, whether it be China, uh, Russia, China, Syria, North Korea, Iran, who are trying to either uh, get into our voting systems, getting into our water systems, nuclear systems, energy systems of all kinds. So we're in a very dangerous time period and we can't put the genie back in the bottle very easily. So the, the other thing just to end with here, and we'll look more about at it in the future, we're gonna have a total solar eclipse that's gonna go through the United States, but the Eastern section, it's gonna come up through Mexico and go, I don't have the exact route in front of me, but it's easy to take a look at this in the future. It's gonna, instead of the total solar eclipse that we had going from Oregon through the central part of the United States and ending up, oddly enough, in South Carolina where uh, the Civil War began in Charleston, South Carolina, that was the um, August 21, 2017. I think it's August 21, it's either August 21 or, well, I'm gonna look it up here while I'm sitting here. I don't wanna give the wrong year, I mean the wrong day. That's when that incredible total solar eclipse, because total solar eclipses um, create a narrow path on the Earth, and they're not always going through the United States. So that was, it was August 21, um, 2017, which was interesting because it was at um, 29 of Leo. And 29 of Leo is um, the ascendant or the rising area for Donald Trump, but it's also the Chiron and the North Node for Joe Biden. So back in 2017, which was a couple years after Bo Biden had passed, then the energies for Joe Biden thinking, hey, now that Hillary lost and we're, we've got um, Trump in there and policies are not going the way that Joe Biden was thinking, he starts thinking, I could do this. My son, Bo, who passed away, wanted his father to run. Then, of course, we had the whole issue with the Ukraine, with uh, Joe Biden's other son, Hunter Biden, all these accusations by Donald Trump and trying to influence the president of Ukraine, which was what led to the first impeachment. So the total solar eclipse, which swept through the United States, starting where I live in Oregon, going through central part of the United States, going through South Carolina, that had an enormous effect because we don't always get total solar eclipse, eclipse pathways, even if it's only a couple of minutes of time. And as you remember, people were going all over, oh, we have to see it in person. We, it's an incredible event. And, and at the same time, it's dangerous. Well, the corollary to that happened six plus years later. And I, and I looked at this a couple of months ago and I realized, oh my God, this is like an unbelievable thing. And it's, it's not just that it's another total solar eclipse. It's April 8th, 2024, I'm presenting the chart for it, and you'll see the sun and the moon at 19 plus of Aries, but guess what? Chiron is exactly there, and I don't mean approximately. It's exact, again, right there, like no orb, not even a, a minute of arc away. And Chiron, the United States Chiron from July 4th, 1776, is at 20 plus of Aries. So we're not gonna, we're not only gonna have our Chiron come back, which happens every 50 years, um, but at this total solar eclipse, which will sort of sweep up from Mexico, go through the 
states like Arkansas and Mississippi and through the eastern sector of the United States toward the nation's capital in the Northeast, that's going to be the corollary to the one that happened in August of 2017. And this is because Chiron is so connected to holistic healing and vaccines and anti-vaccines and so on, we're still going to be dealing with this thing. Now, it may not be COVID, it may be something else, but this is going to change our lives, what we're going through now and, and so on, because we've got to deal with medicine and science. This is part of the whole reason this is happening is we're not learning from history. We're, we definitely, our country is not learning from what happened with the Spanish flu, the pandemic of 1918. Again, there's another great CNN show about that. I don't remember the exact title, but it had to do with um, the, the great uh, pandemic of 1918. And it's really a, a fascinating study of history and what happened under a Democratic leader, Woodrow Wilson, in World War One, who did the same thing as Donald Trump. Hey, I don't want the country to know about this. I want us to focus on the war effort and so on. And he played a very dangerous and, and negative role, President Wilson which eventually, apparently, he got very sick, maybe even with that particular um, pneumonia-type uh, 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 pandemic and got very sick. And then his wife, at that point, was fundamentally running the government right at the end, toward the end of his administration. And there was the fa failure of the League of Nations, which was his great dream, when World War I was ending. Of course, there was also the beginning of the Soviet Union. John F. Kennedy was born in 1917 the year before the pandemic, and then the Soviet Union came into being in November 1917, and then the so-called Spanish flu actually began in Fort Riley, Kansas in, in the spring in March of 1918. And we definitely as a country failed then, and we're failing again about whether it's not wearing masks and, and saying it's a hoax or thinking it's okay and not uh, recognizing the science. Of course, in those days, we didn't have uh, medicine to take care of this, and they didn't know exactly what it was. And so that's part of the reason why the, the devastation of so many people dying, and also at the close of World War One, far more than now, even though now there's great fear, and this could keep developing. So what I'm saying is, we're going to have, let's see, three years from now, three years and a couple months, total solar eclipse, it's going to be at the 20th degree of Aries or 19 plus. Chiron will be exactly with the sun and the moon, no orb. That's, to have an exact thing like that, I mean, we just had, for instance, a full moon on January 28th, and the sun and Jupiter were close together. They weren't absolutely exact, but they were very, very close together with the moon on the other side in Leo. So the sun and Jupiter were together in Aquarius, and it was, let's see, Six hours after the full moon of January 28th, the sun and Jupiter came together. Six hours. In six hours, the, the sun uh, moves about a quarter of a degree. So while that was very, very strong, and it's still affecting us now, the sun-Jupiter energy, which can be euphoric and can be very positive, when we have the total solar eclipse, which will be approximately 2.22 in the afternoon in Washington, D.C., April 8th of 2024, that's daylight time, um, Chiron is going to be there. Okay, now, when, when the total solar eclipse is going to happen, what that means is the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun are going to be lined up, and the Moon will completely cover the disk of the Sun. Far away, way beyond the Sun, will be Chiron, which orbits between Saturn and Uranus. So the, 
what what I'm saying is there's going to be a conjunction when we look at a two-dimensional piece of paper of this three-dimensional, multi-dimensional happening. Chiron, that particular cometary body, it's a small body that orbits generally between Saturn and Uranus, would be far, millions and millions of miles away, way beyond the sun. But they're lined up from the Earth's viewpoint. We're going to have moon eclipsing the sun. And far away is, is Chiron about to make its return, which it does every 50 years, bringing in all these Chironic principles, twilight zone, healing, the need to heal old wounds physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Uh, this whole idea of uh, the fifth, uh, the, the twilight zone, uh, again, because it turned out, as I, as I shared in a previous podcast, Rod Serling was born in 1924 at one of these Chiron returns. He lived a Chiron cycle and died when Chiron came back to, to Chiron in his own chart, and he has Chiron conjunct the United States Chiron, and he came up with the twilight zone and created that for all of us to marvel at over its many episodes, I think it started in 1959, and I, uh, at some point I did a whole study of that, and I could still do it again another time. Many of us still watch on Sci-Fi Channel at New Year's all these Twilight Zone episodes. In fact, I, I um, recorded a couple of them just this time. They're always fascinating to look back, and as a kid, when I was 8, 9, 10 years old, and the Twilight Zone started, we were always watching that. Uh, originally, I think it was on Friday nights. Uh, for a couple of years uh, on Friday nights before every weekend. So it was quite an amazing story. So the United States Chiron is opposite also Arjuna. Last year when George Floyd um, was murdered and he couldn't breathe at the end of May of 2020, we didn't know his birth chart for a while. It turned out that he was born with his son in uh, on the United States Juno. Juno has a lot to do with peace and harmony when it's positive, but when it's negative, Juno can represent um, anger and rage by the disempowered. Hence, we got the Black Lives Matter movement. It turned out that George Floyd's son in Libra was exactly on the United States Juno, which is opposite our Chiron. When the United States came into being, the closest uh, alignment, I mean, we have Sun square Saturn, we've got Mars squaring Neptune, we've got Mercury opposite Pluto within three degrees, We've got um, the moon and, and Pallas Athena together. But the, the closest alignment within a quarter of a degree is our Chiron at 20 plus of Aries opposite our Juno at 20 plus of Libra. That's our actually closest alignment, which is an opposition. So, by the way, that reminds me, the Juno energy of George Floyd last year, his son in Libra on the United States Juno when he was born and launching the Black Lives Matter movement, as I've shared before, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, they not only have their moons close together within three degrees, um, but their Junos are within one degree of each other in Sagittarius. And they're both having triple Juno returns, Juno representing positively creating peace, harmony, civility in government and in leadership. That's where, where they're going. Their, their Junos are on the United States ascendant as a permanent energy uh, in Sagittarius. And the shadow side of Juno, though, is storms of anger or rage. Again, my sense is through the right wing, this is the rage where, again, the whole thing of th that they stole the election, that Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris didn't really win, that whether it's the QAnon movement and these other things, trying to dismiss 
Biden and Harris. Again, as I said before, they are very representative of minorities. Joe Biden being Catholic, while in the world that is very strong, in the United States that has been where, where he's only the second Catholic president to ever be, be in that position. And again, we've never had a Jewish vice president or president. Joe Lieberman was running with Al Gore. He would have been the first Jewish vice president, but they didn't win. Um, but now we have Kamala Harris with Hindu background from her mother, as well as more of a Protestant Christianity, I believe, rather than Catholic. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure of what kind of Christian churches or experience uh, Kamala Harris's mother um, had her girls go to Kamala Harris and her sister Maya. But um, now Kamala Harris is married to a Jewish individual and apparently therefore there is that very strong connection uh, with, with uh, Judaism within uh, the vice president's religious uh, views or feelings. Not that she's necessarily heavily religious, but at least she becomes familiar with traditions of Judaism and culture and that kind of thing. So the total solar eclipse, list, we'll, we'll end with that. Um, we'll talk more about it in the future. Both, both Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have incredibly strong chirons in their chart. They both have them elevated. They're here if they can be allowed to do so to help us heal the country, of course, with a pandemic, but also with money, with business, with the loss of jobs of people starving, not having food, being on food lines, all of these issues that are not, have not been taken care of when you have a plutocracy, when you have corruption, when you have government by the super wealthy where there is a tendency toward corruption. Now, is there money in the Democratic Party? Was there money with Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, and so on, Wall Street and so on? Of course, absolutely. So much, so much money has gotten into politics through the Supreme Court rulings and, and other things, that it's become a real danger. I personally think it would be much greater, much better to have multiple parties as we had in the 1800s, not so many that, like in Italy, where you can never form a government, but to have a third party or fourth party. I also believe very much in term limits. I think the original intent would be you'd have a representative go for two years, then go home, get another representative, so the more viewpoints, the better. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Also in the Senate, I mean, to have people be senators for 40 years or 50 years, I mean, you're there for six years as a senator. That should be enough. Maybe two terms, 12 years. So, but I mean, to be there 18 years, 24 years, 30 years, 36 years, after a while, you lose touch with the people you're representing. That's why, I mean, I never could understand how could Mitch McConnell, as the leader of Republicans and in the Senate say to the states, look, go bankrupt. He, he represents Kentucky. So he was basically saying to Kentucky, go bankrupt. I mean, that's who he represents. It doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. So wh why people say these different things or make sweeping judgments when they're not going to be helpful for their own constituencies um, or the bulk of the constituencies doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I wanted to make sure that I started talking about what's going to happen in a couple of years with the total solar eclipse, because the last one was very powerful and it planted seeds of what I believe was the loss of Donald Trump back at that total solar eclipse in August of 2017 because of the nature of how it went right through the country and, and wound up in Charleston, South Carolina. 
was the end of that total solar eclipse. And the sun and the moon were at 28 plus of Leo on the horizon for Donald Trump in his chart. And then remember, he's born at a total lunar eclipse. This was a total solar eclipse, the opposite kind of principle. And so um, turned out that um, in the South, I mean, it was in Georgia in particular, that there was a great loss. And also um, in South Carolina, now uh, Jamie Harrison, who was the black uh, senator who lost to Lindsey Graham, he's now in charge of the Democratic Party, interestingly enough, in South Carolina. Now, we still have Nikki Haley, who is the governor of South Carolina. So that's how um, that total solar eclipse 2017, when she was ambassador to UN, she's still possibly in the running as a young woman. And again, as I said, the, it'll be interesting. I, I'm not predicting, you know, two women running against each other, one a former governor from South Carolina who's Indian heritage running against somebody else with Indian heritage, heritage who is the most powerful attorney general from California. That could happen. It's not impossible. It seems far-fetched that we'd have two run, women running against one another, but it's it's definitely, you know, potentiality, particularly Donald Trump is, is already 70 four going to be 75 this year and that would mean in a couple years he'd be 78 and we all have question marks about his capacity mentally uh i brought up before the dangerous case of donald trump the seven, 27 doctors and psychiatrists who don't seem to get enough playtime. i do believe their views are very valid about issues concerning what we call uh, malignant narcissism not just being oh yeah He's egocentric, so what's the big deal? It's th These things are a lot more serious. Just as uh, Barry Goldwater w was a strong conservative, but his views on nuclear energy were, were really crazy. They would have led to nuclear war. We, we wouldn't be here anymore if, we, if, if Barry Goldwater was in power um, and decided, you know what, let's just nuke the, uh, the Vietnamese because uh, we don't like communism or something. So... I do believe in spiritual, that we have a spiritual hierarchy and leadership. I've shared before my views and what I read about esoteric, the seven rays, and um, this comes out of, of the Arcane School and Lucis Trust and Lucis Publishing and my the other teachings I've studied, Rudolf Steiner, um, the Theosophical Society, Helena Blavatsky, all kinds of teachings, philosophy, religion from all around the world. It's not just esoterics, it's not just occultism but that we have um, guardian angels, we have spirits, that we are souls and spirits ourselves having human lives, um, studied metaphysics and reincarnation and different philosophies and religions that have all put this together, as well as my love of sports and numbers and things that I've shared before. So we've got this total solar eclipse waiting in the wings. It connects back to the one in 2017. Total solar eclipses and total lunar eclipses can be very powerful. There's many more events that um, I'm going to be sharing about in the two, uh, the Soul Awakening Astrology of 2021 and beyond. We're going to get into the 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 nuclear axis that I've worked on for 38 years. Again, that there's a major article in our complimentary Earth Aquarius News section at Great Bear Enterprises about atomic energy and nuclear energy and my astrology research. I strongly advise you to read that as well as the JFK piece, The Wound That Never Heals. They're complimentary. You can get into it, learn more about astrology and how it all works. So again, thank you very much for listening. We'll do more on Kamala Harris another time. Thank you very much for bearing with me um, in, in my ability to share about 
of sports and growing up and some of these things. But again, many of you uh, maybe born around 1950, 49, 1948, were, were teenagers when JFK was murdered. And you were a teenager, maybe in high school like myself. Uh, at least you know some people who were of that age when there was the, the free speech movement in, in Berkeley, California, and the Civil Rights Act was passed in August of 1964, and Martin Luther King won the Nobel Peace Prize, and the Yankees wound up winning that third game of the World Series but losing the World Series. Uh, by the way, let me finish on this because of my focus often on Yogi Berra and his yogiisms, it ain't over till it's over. The, one of the most frustrating things that happened in that World Series was Yogi Berra, who had been a great Yankee catcher, had, like Mickey Mantle, won the most valuable player award three times in his life. He was the Yankee manager, and they lost in seven games to the Cardinals in the 64 World Series. And the Yankees did something that then made Yogi Berra never want to be part of the Yankees until years later um, when they made up. But he was fired. Yogi Berra was fired. And they hired, the Yankees hired the St. Louis Cardinal manager, Johnny Keene. I mean, that's never happened in the history of baseball. You might fire a manager because maybe you felt that they could have won and they didn't. But you don't hire the opposing manager as the New York Yankees. And to do that to a person like Yogi Berra was unforgivable. Eventually, Yogi Berra wound up, I shared this a little bit before at another, so many podcasts ago. He eventually went on to coach the New York Mets. He was part of um, the Mets winning um, in 19, uh, the 1986 World Series and uh, that spectacular series where they came from behind uh, to beat the Boston Red Sox and win the 1986 World Series. So Yogi Berra was a part of that. And eventually he then came back into the Yankees at a future point in future management. But that was the... the, uh, the, the the, the worst thing about for New York Yankee people, like they couldn't believe that at the end, not only losing the World Series, okay, well, the Yankees lost, they came close, but then to fire the great Yogi Berra and to hire the opposing manager was, was an unbelievable insult to anyone who loved the New York Yankees or just sports in general and just like behavioral kind of things. I mean, talk about management of a team like the New York Yankees to make a decision like that. And even as a 14-year-old, this was like growing up with, with heroes like Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, Whitey Ford, these different people in the New York Yankees. To treat somebody like that was like a, like a horrendous kind of thing that eventually leads to karma, leads to some kind of a boomerang. Uh, and that's what it was. But at any rate, we do have Yogi Berra because of his yogiisms. It ain't over till it's over. It gets laid early out there. And it's deja vu all over again and so many other things. As I shared before, for 17 years, I did a, a sunshine calendar project with a company called Workman Publishing out of New York. And that happened from 1984 to 2000. And it helped me to have the, the finances to publish Wealth on Planet Earth for 20 years as a newspaper and a magazine. And then eventually they were the company in New York City that published the first yogiisms of all these different things that we all look at now and everybody in politics and will, reporters will often say, well, it ain't over till it's over and they'll quote Yogi Berra, but they won't even understand a lot of the things that happen, happened in, in New York and why Yogi said the things that he said. There's all these logical reasons that he explained in that first book of why he said those things. They all had merit, they all had logic, but they sounded weird. So now we often use these sayings and actually there was a lot of purpose and a lot of meaning uh, to 
it's just the way he used his language and the way he said things, and he became really an icon that still, even though he's passed away, um, a remarkable figure in our history. So having said that, many blessings to all of you, and next time, Podcast 76 will probably be back. I'm not 100% sure which direction, but I'll probably do Part 5 of the Soul Awakening Astrology 2021 Beyond. I want to get into Neptune um, going opposite the U.S. Neptune and squaring our Mars. That's coming up in the spring here several times this year. It's not going to be an easy year for our country with their leadership, with the, with the balance in Congress and so on split down the middle to have Neptune for the first time in 165 years go opposite our Neptune. It brings up the whole, and I was just reading about this. I'll probably bring it into the next podcast if I do that about bleeding Kansas, those years of 1856. If you add 165 years, the Neptune cycle, you get 2021. So 1856 to 1860 and 1861, the, the four to five years leading into our civil war, that's where we're at now in terms of Neptune is back in that particular position, re-triggering that. So we don't want history to repeat itself. I shared um, a couple of podcasts ago that Jupiter has an exact 83-year cycle because while we generally tend to think that Jupiter is a 12-year orbit, it's actually 11.86 years. And so every 83 years, Jupiter day by day makes the same stations, the same retrogrades, and it's in the same position every 83 years apart. And I wrote that article about is history repeating itself where Jupiter has its 83-year cycle. And I gave evidence that 1937 and 2020 were connected. Now, this year, 2021 is connected to 1938, which had a lot of events leading up to World War II. And then 1939, if you add 83 years, you get 2022. So when we have those three Pluto returns for the United States, we also have Jupiter repeating itself exactly day by day where it was in 1939. And of course, we know September 1 of 1939, Hitler uh, invades Poland and World War II starts with all the devastation that brings. So while I'm not saying Jupiter has to be bad, it doesn't. But it, the fact that it comes back exactly where it is 83 years apart, there are some historical energies and we do literally have Jupiter repeating what it did precisely. Jupiter can be positive and usually is, euphoric, expansive, exuberant, optimistic, good fortune, and so on. But it can represent overdoing a good thing. And uh, as we saw with President Trump, who was born at a Jupiter station, when you keep focusing on things that are huge and things that are gigantic, but if they're not true, if they're, uh, as many people believe, and it's not just on the left, if one thinks that the person is not telling a truth, and is conning other people or telling a lie or fibs or whatever it is and exaggerating things, that's a shadow side of Jupiter. And the president of the United States, the former president, was born with Jupiter not moving. And again, as I shared too, Nancy Pelosi has the Jupiter exactly opposite his Jupiter. Uh, she has Jupiter at 70 plus of Aries. He has Jupiter at 70 plus of Libra. And we know that they're at loggerheads and always have been. Hence the, the second impeachment where we're about to go on February 9th, when Vesta's op opposing Neptune for the second of three times. So we've got incredible astrology, a dangerous year. I will share more about how Neptune opposes our Neptune, that the last time it happened was, was the time period when Kansas, which eventually became 
a free state, as opposed to Missouri, it's next to a neighbor state that had become a slave state, I think it was 1821. And then as settlers were moving into Kansas, this it was Horace Greeley uh, from a New York newspaper who used the metaphor term bleeding Kansas because of riots, because of all kinds of outrages and different things that happened with racism and other things, um, pro-slavery people, anti-slavery people, all the different settlers are going into Kansas. So this became this whole issue leading to Lincoln and the Lincoln-Douglas debates. And then eventually, what that led to was Neptune, uh, which had been discovered in 1846. Um, in 1861, Neptune hit the 30th degree of Pisces. And we're going to, I mentioned that last time in the, in the uh, podcast about Russia, we're going to have a return of that in 2026. I gave the exact date. Um, it's going to be uh, Saturn conjunct Neptune and Neptune being at uh, zero of Aries and leaving 30 of, of Pisces. So we're going to have the Neptune from the Civil War coming back 165 years later. If you had eight from 1861, you had 165, you're going to get 2026. So that's going to be Neptune coming back to 30 Pisces, zero Aries. And when Neptune does that, amazingly enough, Saturn will be with Neptune. They'll be in a conjunction as they were when Neptune was discovered, September 23rd, 1846. And I shared a lot about that in the last podcast about uh, Saturn returning for Russia. So that connects up the podcast that you've just listened to with the previous one, which was number 74. So it might... The other one was about Russia, Saturn return, but it's actually connected a lot to where we're going in the future with Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, whatever's going to happen in the next several years. There's a lot of powerful cycles affecting the U.S. chart and the historical changes of our country. So we'll share more about that in part five uh, of the Soul Awakening Astrology 2021 Beyond. So as I said before, we're exactly at three hours now. Lots of love and blessing and healing for you and all your loved ones. And I'll look forward to sharing with you in the next podcast. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.